For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. You know, the temperatures go up and down. Um, you look at the papers this morning. It's on the inside pages of the Independent this morning. The latest wage rise takes TD's salaries beyond the Celtic Tiger record high. Um, that's possibly worth repeating. Their salaries are higher now than they were back in the days of the Celtic Tiger when everybody took a bit of uh, reduction. But TD salaries are now higher than ever passing the Celtic Tiger uh, high point today because today's the day that TDs get a wage increase. Um, 107,376 now that you're asking. Um, and the peak back in Celtic Tiger days was just around about 106,000. I won't blind you by that, but it's another 2% increase for them. It's a story that makes the inside pages of this morning's uh, Independent. Uh, how many other people can be talking about in the private sector anyway? Wage increases. Uh, actually, there is one that I read this morning, and it's people involved in tech. Uh, I may well come back to that a little later on this morning. Such is the demand now for people in tech or with cloud experience, for instance, that they're being offered six-figure salaries just to join companies uh, and that's a story that actually has to do with Cork as much as anywhere else in Ireland but certainly Cork and Dublin it was a vicious attack reported in court yesterday it was a court case involving a 35 year old man in the attack on his 66 year old mother he got six and a half years jail for it um, a little bit of it was suspended I think the sentence was was seven years and six, six months suspended but uh, no names in this one um, but the victim uh, had all this, as in his mother, had already obtained a barring order uh, under the Domestic Violence Act against him because of an assault causing harm previously. And he got jailed for that one for one year. Um, but in 2022, she took him back into her home due to being, him being effectively homeless. And he was drinking heavily. And on one particular night, it just, oh man, he swung his right arm and rammed it into my back, she said. He kneeled over me. He started choking me. With both fists, he struck me countless times. He put his hands around my throat. I thought he was going to kill me. He leaned in and he bit my top lip. He didn't say he was going to kill me, but I honestly thought he was. One stage he went to the kitchen and the misfortunate woman, his ma'am, ran four four doors down and she was covered in blood. That resulted in him being charged and yesterday being found guilty of that prolonged attack that will see him going back to jail, this time for six years. And then there's the story from Hall Bolan of an ex-naval instructor. It's the court reports in the Echo where a 56-year-old naval instructor um, slapped a new recruit on the buttocks, buttocks, winked at her and commented, you're lucky it wasn't 14 or 15 years ago. Now, that's just a couple of comments on what was an awful sexual assault. It was carried out uh, at lunchtime, March of 2022, on the naval recruit, Shauna O'Connor, who waived her anonymity in fairness to her, and it happened down in Hall Bolan. Uh, it's a quite lengthy court report, and we don't have a sentence on that one yet because uh, the judge has um, adjourned sentencing until sometime in May, but a couple of court reports from court courts yesterday. And there is an impassioned plea to older people to shake off their fears of COVID or fears that were induced because of COVID and come out of their isolation and start socialising again. The chief medical officer, um, who is now a Professor Breda Smith, is on the front page of this morning's mail today and the headline is Fears for Elderly Still in Isolation and that there should be a national push now to encourage fearful older citizens to shake off their lockdown habits. And I would like to talk to people, if at all possible, who would be of that cohort who are still 
isolating and still in fear or still worried about, you know, going back into society, mixing, having people in their homes, going out, meeting friends and doing things that they normally would have done, say, pre-2020. So it's an interesting story because it is time for them to go back to their normal lives and to integrate again for the sake of their mental health and also to live longer, healthier lives by getting out there again. Um, You know, yesterday was the uh, anniversary of the first COVID death in Ireland. So this week was the anniversary of the first COVID death in Ireland. Three years ago, yesterday, we had 2,323 fatalities linked alone to care homes, which is a very high figure of the 8,500 deaths. And that's the story that makes the, the star today. There will be a public inquiry. When? Not sure. Will it be announced? Yes, it will. When could that happen? Maybe in the summer. Um, so we'll have to see what happens in that regard. We've got an interesting vox from the streets of Cork as to whether people think yet another Irish public inquiry will make a blind bit of difference. There's always a public inquiry, and then the findings of it just gather dust, Right. We're talking about a lot of issues on our Cork streets and indeed, I suppose, to a larger extent on on Dublin streets. They're going to start in Dublin uh, by tackling and taking back the streets, apparently. Big push in the capital uh, where the Gardaí have vowed to tackle street-level drug dealing, operating openly in broad daylight and also fighting back against assaults, thefts and antisocial behaviour. So they're going for it, apparently, and hopefully that will then spill into Cork, where Cork Gardaí will be um, designated to do the same kind of work as Gardaí in Dublin will be, where we can take back the streets. Uh, open drug dealing, if you're ever in the city on a daily basis, and I'm in there quite a lot uh, over lunchtimes and what have you, you kind of you kind of can't miss it, and that's the truth of it. Uh, one thing that has dropped in, in Ireland, though, apparently, is uh, the amount of asylum seekers who are coming into the country. Forty percent down since mid November, and forty eight percent down since the first week of this year. Um, so that's like almost a fifty percent drop since the start of the year. I may come back to that later on and work out why. Do you recall a few weeks ago? I was telling you the court case that had just started of a woman who was on a cruise ship with her daughter um, and made kind of a, a, a kind of a smart remark to reception when because she wanted to be moved right she wanted to be moved from one room to the other she couldn't hack the room and all this kind of stuff um, and she alleged that she was falsely imprisoned on board the cruise ship do, do you recall that well that court case went on for weeks and weeks and weeks Caroline Fanning uh, took the likes of trail finders uh, to court and uh, was seeking damages she made a comment saying that if she wasn't moved there could, there could well be a suicide in the morning. Uh, of course, the suicide protocol on board the ship kicked in then and she was taken um, from her room against her wishes to the sick bay, to the medical facility and the whole thing then kicked off after that. Well, she lost her court case yesterday. She lost the case uh, of uh, false imprisonment and the Independent has the court reports the inside pages today. Um, all, all the stories regarding travel back on land is Irish Rail. Not so much the trains, but the amount of money they make from clamping your your motor cars, if you're, say, for instance, using uh, Irish Rail, some people just park there, others park there and get on the train or whatever. But the stats out this morning say for last year, uh, Kent clamped 608 cars and made 55, nearly 56 grand in revenue as a result of the clamping. Uh, so they've uh, 
when you total up the amount of money that Irish Rail has made across all stations, um, they've made well over one and a half million since 2018. So it's a handy little docket when it comes to making a few extra bob. Uh, the, the, I mean, the upside to parking at the train station is that it's it's quite cheap. You know, it really and truly is. So you wonder why would people use it and not pay for it when it's cheap enough as it is. Anybody following that story of the missing baby in the UK? It's the daughter of an aristocratic girl and a guy called Mark Gordon. So it was Mark Gordon and Constance Martin. They were arrested yesterday. They were all over the place. Couldn't find them for weeks. Couldn't find them for weeks. And then they found them. Like 200 police officers scouring the Sussex Downs for them. Found them yesterday, but no sign of the baby. Find the baby, they're saying. Where is the baby? And another thing that I should have probably mentioned when talking about travel is uh, the cost of electric cars. I haven't time to do it now, but I'll come back to it a little later on. The countries that are the cheapest and the most expensive to charge your electric car and the best range you get and the price you would pay for electric cars. So more on that in a few minutes time, but I'd be mad keen to talk to people who have embraced electric cars. What kind of value are you getting? What kind of range? I mean, if we were doing a bit of sums myself and Kevin this morning and like for a full charge of an electric car versus the full charge of a similar diesel car, it, it costs you about half the price to run the electric. That, that's just what we worked out. We're open to correction on the correction on that. So cars are very well, but you need to be out walking and a brisk walk, according to the end of today, just 11 minutes. You can clock it if you want. Brisk walk, 11 minutes every day could stave off an early death. Well, it, it can't do any harm, can it? And the research is out saying that, you know, walk more. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, um, uh, coffee also is a good way of lengthening your life. That's what I convinced myself because I drink so much of it. But there's a warning about, you know, like once, first it was tomatoes and then it was vegetables and then it was cucumbers. Now apparently it's going to be a coffee shortage because of, of climate change. Could spell the end of freshly brewed coffee. Um, they may well try and replicate it in a lab, but good luck with that. The Neil Prendeville Show. Gold winner for interactive speech program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Courts Red FM. Anna, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks so much for your email and for coming on air. We were I was reading some stories um, of uh, abuse um, with regards to coercive control that women went through um, some of the stories are quite alarming and I think one in particular uh, rang very true to yourself is that right? Yeah very Yeah yeah. in fact you were saying um, that this needs to be talked of more that coercive control in relationships isn't spoken enough about Yeah um, I actually only learned about it maybe just over a year ago because mm. um, I was obviously in a coercive controlling relationship at the time mm. Um, and if I had knew, known sooner what it was, I would have seen the signs and the red flags and everything, and I would have got out sooner. Are, are there signs and red flags? I mean, can you go from a perfectly ideal start to a relationship? I mean, what was it like when you first met? Um, when we first met, now that I know the signs, etc., um, there was a lot of love bombing at the start. Um, Interesting. With regards to like gifts, um, like flower me with affection, a lot of stuff like that. Um, but it was all a bit over the top. Like I'd only known this person for maybe two weeks, and it was Christmas time, and he bought me a two hundred euro bag, mm. um, handbag. And then he, my car was out of action at the time, so he left me have his car, which was only it was brand new. Which, like, looking at now, it is, like, I should have kind of 
clicked on there straight away, but obviously I didn't at the time. Yeah, I, 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 I wonder though, because I've spoken with other people in the past and even more recently, something that I haven't got to air yet from somebody who was totally and utterly love-bombed, fell head over heels in love. The whole relationship did come over, off the track, but at the time, she just believed that she was incredibly lucky to meet somebody yeah. who loved her so yeah. much. Yeah, that's it. And especially, like, you know, if you had had past relationships where you weren't treated very well, you're going to think, oh, this is amazing, this yeah. is what I've been waiting yeah. for. Yeah, yeah. Um for it all to turn out horribly wrong. And and when then, at what stage, was it reasonably early in the relationship that things started to change? Um, it was about, it was just a couple of weeks in, really, um, that he started to accuse me of, like, cheating. And, like, we, we were just about in a relationship. It was very soon we got into a relationship. Um, but he was accusing me of cheating and he was very paranoid and... Just a lot of stuff like that. Um, we were only together a few weeks and I w- we went on a night out and obviously I went to sleep afterwards but he was up all night looking through my phone while I was asleep and that's how it started. How did you find out that he was actually looking through your phone? When I woke up I was shocked because I, I didn't expect that. Um, but like, like group chats with friends and stuff like that, absolutely everything was went through with a fine tooth comb. And would he question um, you about the, what was on the phone then? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, like people, I was friends with people, like I was working at the time in um, a big shop with a lot of staff. And obviously there was male staff who I was friendly with. And straight away, one person was the problem because he didn't like him. Mm. Mm. And it, it started there and accusing like accusations um, of cheating and everything else and it wasn't that at all mm. like it was purely friendship from sure, my side absolutely work colleague friendship just getting on yeah. with people absolute yeah. possession on his behalf like isn't it yeah yeah I, what, I was his and only his yeah and what the are these what are these spy apps um, that you were talking about with regards to your email where spy apps were put on your phone yeah there was a spy app put on my phone that um Apparently, you can get, say, my WhatsApp messages, my um, Facebook Messenger messages, Snapchat, everything, emails, all the whole lot, phone calls, text messages. So with this spy um, app, as you're getting them, somebody else is getting them as well? Yeah, yeah. It was like a forwarding system. Did you cotton um, on to the spy app? I mean, did you eventually spot it or something? I, I didn't know for ages because it's well, it's well hidden in the phone. Like you, you, there was no way of finding it, um, only for the fact that he let it slip one day, um, that it wasn't working. Uh, the what was going to say there now? The bizarre thing to put on somebody's phone. I mean, there's a spy app on your phone, so he's clearly tracking your every movement, clearly yeah. tracking every single conversation you have. You said that he would take your phone if you went out to examine it when you came back. Blatantly just take it from you, is it? Yeah, yeah. And at the time, like, he had coerced me into giving him all my passwords to everything. So he could log into everything. Anyway, like, in my eyes, I felt like I had nothing to hide. Why did you give them? Because you had nothing to hide? Because you loved him? Because you were afraid? What was? What were the reasons? It was kind of all of that as well. And I wanted him to feel secure because I felt he had no reason to be insecure in the relationship. 
Okay, that's reasonable. Yeah, he, but still and all, he, he would take your phone. Um, he was tracking you on Google Maps, I believe. Yeah, Google Maps as well, because you can share your location with a trusted person on your Google Maps. But he was able to log into it, like if I ever turned it off, because I obviously found out he was doing this too. And if I turned it off out of frustration of it all, he'd just log in on his phone and turn it back on and it'd be sharing again without my knowledge. And would this be like all day, every day he knew who you were? Just because, yeah. yeah, so. Every he, movement. He knew who you were at every minute of the day. Yeah. But I, like, I remember one day, I there was a road closed to where I was driving, so I had to go a different way. And he rang me, abusing me. Why are you driving this road? Why are you going that way? So who lives down there that you're calling to, you know? And that wasn't the case at all, obviously. Okay. Okay. Now, clearly, you were very disturbed by this, very upset. Um, did you did you think at what stage I've got to get out of this? I mean, did you did you talk to did family and friends notice any changes in you, for instance? Um, my my mom knew I was unhappy. She could just tell by me that I was really unhappy. Um, when I started to try and gain um, my a bit of self confidence back and stuff, you know, I was trying to lose weight and stuff. So I started walking with my friend most evening. And one evening I just told her because he was after giving me abuse for leaving and making me put on my map so he could see what way I walked around. And um, she was just shocked. And then I was like, oh. What okay, is, this yeah. this isn't right. This like, isn't right. You, know? you, you kind of knew it wasn't right, but you probably needed yeah. to hear it from yeah. a friend or a loved one. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. It, it was just mental torture. Like, even my thoughts, I could, I felt like I couldn't think anything that would upset him. That's how bad it got. Like, you know, I was afraid to think the wrong thing in case he could, like, know what I'm thinking. It, uh, it, it doesn't even make sense. But Yeah, yeah. Um a lot of this has to do with breaking down somebody's confidence, right? Um, and to yeah. dismantle their personality. And sometimes it can involve uh, disgusting, uh, personal, degrading comments. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but was there, was there any of that? Um, he, like, the first time that he went through my phone and stuff, he turned around, he was like, I thought you were perfect. Like, nobody's perfect. But that was his way of making me feel like I wasn't good enough. And it continues that way. Like he, if, even if there was like, there wasn't anything in my phone, but he, when he'd go through it, he'd make a mountain out of a molehill and make me feel like I wasn't a good girlfriend. I wasn't a good person. Um, just all of that. Like I wasn't allowed to talk to any males. They were all deleted from all my social media, my phone, everything. I was really isolated from my friends. And like I felt like I couldn't talk to anyone because no one would understand because I still felt like I loved him even though he was doing all this to me. That was the power he had over you, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I felt like he had power over my mind and body and everything that I tried to do or wanted to do or even just going down to the shop. If I took too long, I would get abused when I came home. So were you living on your nerves then? Were you living in fear really? Oh, completely. I was walking on eggshells all the time. I'd be careful what I said, what I did, who I spoke to, what way I looked at them. Did you ever stand you know, up? So. Did you ever stand up to him, or were you worried or afraid that it could be a bigger problem? I did towards the end when I like 
the only reason I know about coercive control is because I read about it on Instagram. And then I started looking up like TikToks and then I started Googling it. But I had to delete all my searches because if he's seen that I've seen it, I'd, I'd get it again, do you know? I'd get abuse again and I wouldn't go near it again because I'd be afraid of him. You said in your email at one stage you had managed to save a couple of thousand euro, your, your life savings, and it was hard earned and hard saved, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Did you share um, that information with him for some reason? I said it in front of my parents one evening, not thinking anything of it, like I was proud that I saved this money because I'm a single parent and I'm working part-time um, for myself. So I was really proud. And I think it was the same day, it might have been that evening, um, he needed the money for a drug debt. Did he tell you it was for a drug debt? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, of course, I gave him the money. Think like he had promised me he would give it back. He obviously never did. Um, but that was that was financial abuse then as well. So it all comes under the same. It all comes under coercive control, really. Um, because I couldn't do anything then. Do you know, I could like I wanted to get a new car. I couldn't do that. Um, there was stuff around the house I wanted to do and I couldn't oh, do that I see then. What you're saying you're saying he took it off you not because he wanted it, but he didn't want you to have it. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Would there be times then when he would flip back to this love bombing over the top affectionate person all apologetic? Yeah, yeah, like I'd get bunches of flowers. Um I I got a Fitbit watch. <laughs> um <clears throat> I wanted I wanted to get my I wanted to get my lips done actually and he paid for that but uh, like he didn't want anyone to see them then either like I, I couldn't go out yeah out, yeah so do with the ownership yeah possession you as, yeah. as being his and his alone only to be looked at and admired by him yeah, and nobody exactly. else did it ever get violent um it did it kind of almost did um and this was the night I realised I'm not staying here anymore in this situation um, I had come back from walking with my friend this is obviously toward the end of it um, and my maps wasn't on for the whole time or something and when I came home he went straight through my phone um, started telling me I have here where you were you better tell me now or else I'm going to lose I'm going to lose the rag so I couldn't think like if I had gone anywhere different I was like I, did, I didn't go anywhere I just went for my walk and then I realised oh I got diesel so I forgot to tell him I got diesel I got the height abuse over it um, I kind of stormed out of the room and I walked away and I said this is a joke it's ridiculous and he chased me up the hall um, and he literally went head to head with me like pushed his forehead on mine his eyes were actually black at the time like there was no colour it was just black it was like demonic really um, was shouting and roaring at me tell me who he is tell me who he is I'm going to kill him I'm going to slit his throat all this um, and I kept backing up and being like I, I, there's no one like I just went for a walk and I got diesel at this and he wouldn't believe me I actually got down I actually got down on my hands and knees and um, I was begging him to please stop <clears throat> because my kids were asleep in the other room and um, in the end he kept coming towards me so I kept backing up and I ended up climbing out my sitting room window um, we live on the ground floor 
Um, but I, the com- I couldn't leave. He had my phone. I couldn't ring anyone. Um, your kids, are, your kids are in the house as well, of course. No, yeah, no yeah, place for exactly. kids like this. So I couldn't, I couldn't leave. Um, my only saving grace was that my, my, she was two, three at the time. My, oh no, she was two at the time. She was two years old, and she woke up and she won't go to sleep unless I'm lying down with her. So he told me go in and put her back to sleep, and then he wants to talk to me again. But she wouldn't, she wouldn't go back to sleep. She kept fussing. So he ended up falling asleep and the next morning I got the two girls and I left the house. I never went back? Um, see, it's my house, so... Oh, God, wouldn't you know it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, wouldn't you know it? What did you do yeah. that next day when you left? Um, my kids were going to their dad's house because <clears throat> they go on a Friday night and um, so they went and I went and stayed in my friend's house and I took my dog with me. Um, we had gotten a dog together, but like I paid more for her and I paid for everything after that and I took care of her. She was never really anything to do with him. Okay, so you took the um, children, took the dog. You went to your friend's house. Was that the first time you actually told anybody the gravity of the situation? Yeah, it was. Had she, um, know, had she known in advance anyway? No, she didn't. Um, there was a group of us there because we were actually going there anyways for m- one of my other friend's birthday. <clears throat> so I just told them all. I was like, look, I'm telling you all now just so I cannot go back. Because I felt like it, it, if I said it out loud to people who are close to me and know me, they wouldn't let me go back. And as well, That's I right. wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't. Yeah. I just wouldn't do it, do you know. They must have um, been shocked to hear what you were, what you had been going through. They must have really been shocked. Yeah. But in some way, there must have been a sense of relief for you to, to share. Yeah, a total sense of relief for me. But they were completely in shock because he put on such a show. And do you he think... Put on a do, great show. Yeah. Do, where did all this anger come from, do you think? is I mean, did he suffer with uh, personality disorder, some kind of psychosis? Was it drug damage to his brain? If he had, you, you say he had a, a substance. He was obviously a drug user, was he? Yeah, like I won't go into detail now because it's not my story to tell, obviously. But he had a, a really bad childhood, um, and he, the drug um, addiction I think stemmed from there. And I don't know what it done to his, his head, but he just wasn't right. No, do you know? No. Like I learned since that he's done this to exes before me as well so it's not it wasn't just me did you go to the guards at that stage um i actually did um because i wanted to try and report course control but it wasn't it was just after coming in i don't know was it just after coming in recently that people can be done for this oh my Um, gosh is it any wonder when we hear the stories of what people go through male and female of course there should be a law against it yeah exactly um but the guards told me I had to go in and get a protection order. Yeah. So I had to go in and do that then as well. Um, so I got that. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a criminal offence. And, and rightly so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's very hard to prove is the only thing because like he had control over on my phone and my my social media, etc. So he was able to delete all his messages. He was deleting everything as we went along so I wouldn't ever have anything uh, to incriminate him. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, the most important thing is for anybody is to get away, to build up the courage to yeah. make, the, make the break. Because in your case, you see all of the classic signs there, isolating from family and friends, uh, depriving you of, um, you know, your basic freedom, monitoring your time where you are, uh, accusing you of things that are wrong time after time, taking total control of your life. I mean, and it's no place to have children either, you know. Do you yes, think that if, if we really need to talk about it an awful lot more uh, so that people are aware that they may be in it without knowing it? Yeah, because that's the way I was until I read up about it and it was only by chance that I came across it. And so how, that's uh, yeah. why I actually replied to, or I sent you the email. Just I just want to make people aware of it because it's like you actually get brain damage from this kind of abuse. There's studies that you can actually become oh, yeah. get some sort of brain damage. You know, the stress and the anxiety and the fear that you must have gone through yeah. when, when you're entitled, like everybody else, <clears> to be happy in your life, you know, and to rear your children in a happy life and, you know, happy surroundings and a happy home. How are you now? Oh, I'm much better. Um, I was going to counselling for a good while, which really, really helped. I, 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 was, I found a really good person for it. Um, so that helped a lot with my confidence and realising that, you know, it wasn't my fault. Um, I just wanted to believe and see the best in someone. And it just happened to me that way. Yeah, I know, I know. Are you happy now? Are you in a relationship now? Have you moved on? Yeah, I'm actually in the best relationship I've ever been in. Oh, good. Um, he's, he's an angel, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, good, you deserve that. You really do. Yeah. And this nightmare is behind you. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, yeah. And to others listening right now who might, you know, have similar situations in their own relationships as we speak, what would you say to them? I'd say just tell one person and you'd feel the weight lifted a bit. And then after that, it becomes a lot easier to talk about. Um, I know, like, you feel like you can't tell anyone in case they find out because what will happen after they find out. But there's a, there's means and ways around it. Hmm. And probably won't begin to heal or improve until you do share it with somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You won't realise how bad it is until you tell someone. Do you, have, you end up making an awful lot of excuses. Your mind is played with so much that you actually feel uh, it's your fault. You deserve it. You created it. Yeah. You have to try harder. Isn't that right? Yeah, that was exactly it. Yeah, yeah. You're very brave, uh, very strong, and you're very kind to share your story, Anna. Thank you so much. Look after yourself. Thanks, Neil. You too. All the best. Bye, boy. Anybody might be disturbed by that conversation, and abuse comes in all shapes and sizes, and many suffer in silence, and the uh, your messages don't. Uh, speak to somebody, whether it's a friend or a relation or a helpline number. The Samaritans are on 116123. 116123 and the National 24 Hour Rape Crisis Helpline is a 1 800 number, 778888. The National 24 Hour Rape Crisis Helpline is 1 800 778888. More on this after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 106.
Red FM. He's talking about these type of uh, situations that people find themselves living in last week and one of the things I was talking about at the time was the delay in getting a case into court. It could be upwards of, of four years and I was reading out letters from people uh, who were going through similar uh, abusive uh, relationships and course of control like Anna. Uh, email came in then from Mary who says, I was listening to you reading out a letter from a lady whose husband is abusing her. I was in that situation many years ago and my marriage only lasted five years as I couldn't take the abuse anymore. Uh, the backstory. Well, I met him in a pub. I would get the last bus home, so I didn't know that he would be staying out late. After seeing each other about two, three months, I became pregnant and we got married. He seemed like a totally, totally ordinary guy. Met his family and they were okay. He did tell me there was alcoholism in the family, but I didn't click that at the time. He was working and I was pregnant. He'd go to the pub and come back late, which I didn't like. Uh, but it was just being drunk more than anything. After my son was born, my son had colic and was a very cross baby. My husband started ramping up the abuse then, first verbal, calling me fat, calling me a bitch, uh, giving out about the dinner and picking at things, just looking for a fight. Things settled and I fell pregnant a second time and that's when he got a lot worse. The abuse became physical. he come home drunk. Uh, and I could be sitting in the couch, he'd start a fight. He'd use anything to hand, a shovel or a poker, whatever he could lay his hands on to beat me. He would be angry even when sober. It was impossible to live with him. I would go up to my son's room for refuge after the beatings, and the bed would be shaking with my son's fright. Imagine that. The bed would be shaking with my son's fright. I decided to bring him down to my parents' house to get him out of the house. The abuse was so bad he would end up spending weeks down at my parents, the child that is. When parents would bring him back, he would say, This isn't my house. Take me home with you, Granny and Granddad. He used to tell me the same as that lady's husband in that no one will want me with two kids. I was fat. I was over the hill. Nobody would go near me. I used to cover up my my bruises with makeup um, from my parents uh, thinking they wouldn't know. But my mom knew the whole time. She told me one day, he will kill you, you know, if you don't get out of that house. He was an alcoholic who slept with a baseball bat by the side of his bed in case someone came after him. He fell asleep another night in the bath, drunk. He was paranoid, aggressive, mentally unstable. Uh, I felt so ashamed to leave him at the time. I even had people telling me afterwards that I had made my own bed so, so I'd have to stay uh, and I had just taken it. Uh, eventually, I did leave him. I just had enough. And I ended up getting custody of the children. Not long after the split, he followed me to a therapy session. And after a session, he crept up behind me and said in my ear, you won't last six months without me. Uh, I'm now with a wonderful man that I've been with for over 30 years. I'm in my 60s now. My children have grown up happy. And life has gotten so much better since walking out that front door. Tell your listeners it will get better if they're going through it. But I want people to know there's light at the end of the tunnel if they make the, mer- the first most important move. Thank you for that email, Mary. I, I hope that it didn't uh, upset you re- reliving it all and putting it down in an email. But it's very important that you did. And thank you for emailing Neil at redfm.ie. I'm actually quite alarmed that even 30 years ago, I don't know whether you would regard 30 years ago as being a long time ago or not so long ago. I don't think it's all that long ago. I mean, it's just the 90s. But the people were telling you back then that you made your own bed and you should stay 
and take it, as in, you made your bed so you need to lie in it. I mean, that is not the message that we'd want getting out there. I've been listening uh, over the last week about this topic um, of uh, issues regarding family. It actually then can move on to other things like parental alienation and things like that. Uh, I am I am a father uh, where my wife left the marriage and the home and dictated almost immediately when and where I could see my child. Even though married fathers are supposed to have equal rights, I had to fight and pay for any access I ended up with. My ex-wife, um, were still married but living apart, would not allow me to drop our son back to where she resides with her mum and insisted that we would swap the child at a nearby service station. <laughs> a service station. Uh, no other reason than just to belittle me. How degrading. Yet the courts didn't bat a single eyelid, eyelid to see. I wonder if it was the father's idea uh, what the court would have said swapping over a child in a petrol station. Courts, society, all need to change. So many stay silent when they see their own family behaving like this. For me, staying silent is really supporting the abusive person. The story is a big one, Neil, and ingrained in deep hurt and tragedy when partners break up with children. Please, for the sake of future children that aren't even born, keep the story alive and maybe press ministers in the judicial system as to why so many turn a blind eye. For me, it's uh, it's a Me Too movement. Uh, only this time, it's alienated mums and dads. I'm a battling father who's been through the worst of it, but wouldn't wish this on his greatest enemy. The alienation of children and the things that go on when a relationship breaks down. Uh, I was listening to your stories of child abuse last week um, and uh, felt compelled to write to you. Uh, and these are other stories of people who've been through the horrors. I was a victim of sexual abuse in the 80s and eventually got justice only three years ago. I was abused by a neighbour and how I was dealt with when I went to talk about my situation was nothing short of disgraceful. I was treated like I was making the whole thing up. I was six, he was 17. It went on until he was 19. When my abuser was eventually brought to justice, a group of us found out that we were all abused by him. And we were all friends over the years. And after that, we kept an eye out on each other. When we reported as six and eight-year-olds as to what happened, our parents were apoplectic with rage. But the guardy totally dismissed what we were saying. And my father wouldn't accept it and wanted further action. And the local guard told them that it would be dealt with. How he dealt with it was to approach the perpetrator's parents, who then just moved. Eventually, two of my old friends ended up taking their own lives after the mental anguish that he caused. While he was charged with a six-year sentence for abusing, uh, after that I decided to take up my own case. The six-year sentence was for abusing others. I was told he had already committed his, admitted his abuse of my friends and me to the guardie, uh, and they still didn't contact me. I finally got to go forward to tell my story and got my own justice. And what did it do? Added a single year to his existing sentence. The whole thing for me has been absolutely heartbreaking. For God's sake, don't give up my details. And thank you for that email to neil at redfm.ie. Um, I endeavour as best I can to share people's stories. And my apologies if some of those emails were sent in over the last week or 10 days. I've only just got to them this morning and I apologise for that. Again, helpline numbers, uh, the Samaritans on 116123 and the National 24-Hour Rape Crisis Helpline is a 1-800 number, double seven double eight double eight. Thank you. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Jean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for holding, and more importantly, thanks for coming on the air. Uh, you must be apoplectic with rage about what happened to your son. 
I am. I can understand it. He goes out with his pals on a Saturday night. Was it last Saturday? Saturday just gone, yeah. What happened? He went out. They had a few drinks. He got separated from them. He was walking up the... He got separated, decided, tried to get a taxi, couldn't get one. Um, he was decided then to walk home. So he was walking up the Monaghan Road when a gang of youths came towards what him. What time? I'm just curious as to the time, Jean, if you don't mind. This was probably around... We're not really sure at the time. Um, it was probably around half three. In the morning, yeah, okay. Yes, yeah. because he had stood for a good while yeah. trying to get a taxi. Yeah. And then decided to walk away. And um, they actually passed him. But then, as he was go- going up, he they turned and ran after him. So they walked past and him as he was him. going down the Monaghan Road, heading down to, I guess, that would be the Ballon Temple Black Rock area. Bunch of guardiers yeah. passed him, walked past, and then turned around. Yes. And they held him. Lucky they didn't get him to the ground, but they held him and they punched him. And he just kept saying to them, What do you hit me for? Why do you hit me? And then they said to him, Have your money? And he said, No. He said, I've no money on me. So two of them held his arms each, right? So he was disabled. Yeah. And then the other. The others then just punched him. Punched him. All right, so he was absolutely defenseless. for no reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like it's absolutely ridiculous, as I said. He hasn't been out for weeks. He's not one that really goes to town. <clears throat> and as I said, it's crazy to think that people can't just walk home. So they laid into him yeah. for cash. That, well, that... we don't know. He, they didn't mention cash when they start hitting him. And then he, when he kept saying to them, what are you hit me for? What are you hit me for? He they asked him then, have you any money on you? Okay, okay. So to me, it was just something they decided to do. They just wanted because to give somebody saw. a bad beating and use that as an excuse. Because if they wanted yes. money, they'd have asked him for it first. Exactly. I understand. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they took nothing. Like they didn't take his phone. They didn't take his cards. Nothing. The only thing that he lost was either chain on his neck with a ring on it and he reckons that that was pulled while they were holding him. So half three in the morning, <clears throat> little enough by way of people walking the road or even little enough traffic, I suppose, yeah? Oh, yes. Yeah, there was nothing around, he said. So they give him a bad beating? Well, they punched him in the head and they punched him in the eye and he's the mark on his nose, but he's not terribly bad. He was lucky. So they just left him there, there in a heap on the ground, is it? Yeah, no, they didn't get him to the ground. They actually didn't get him to the ground. That's what I said to him. I said, you were so blessed if they'd have got you to the ground. I said, they'd have kicked the head off. They would have kicked the head off him, yeah. They'd have kicked him. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, how, said, so like, they, just, they just left. How many of them? He reckons there was about five or six of them. Okay, and they just left then and walked off, is it, on their merry just way? Just walked off. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. kind of ages, does he know? Probably in their early 20s. Okay, okay. What did you he know? do? What did he do? He just continued walking. He rang, because I said, why didn't you ring me straight away? And he said, we're so too late, ma'am. And I said, no, no, you never do that. And you never walk on your own. I said, you should never, ever, ever be on your own. He should be able to be on his own, though, Jean. He should be oh, able yes. to. He shouldn't have to have a fear of being isolated from his mates. 
Yeah, no, I know, but you see, this is what's going on. This is the way it's got. People are just out there to cause this damage. Now, as I said, while his injuries are minor, his mental injuries aren't. Do you know what I mean? I hear that all the time. And I, I hear mm-hmm. that all the time, that the psychological damage is hard to it's recover psycholo- from. Yes, yeah. Do you know? Aren't they so, aren't they so brave, has- though? Aren't they? Six of them taking on one guy on his own, pinning his arms back so they can get at him. Disabled. That's what I said. What I cowards. said they were so brave. I said, I wonder if you met them on the street during the day. Would they be as brave? Do you so, go to the guards? No. Why no. not? Because we said there was no point. What's the point? He didn't know who they were. He'd never seen them before. He wouldn't be able, he wouldn't recognize them again. Do you know, these, this just happened. It's not too late to so go to certain. the guards, and I'll tell you why. Depending on where they were coming from, they could have been picked up on CCTV footage in Ballant Temple. Might have been picked up, picked up on CCTV footage at the petrol station on the road down to Black Rock as they walked up towards, was it towards the city they were going? Yes. They were picked up on loads of different CCTV cameras as they were heading into town. Right. So it's still not too I late. It's still not too late to harvest the CCTV footage. It was only last Saturday night. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I did. I said to him about the guards, and he said, "What's the point, ma'am?" He said, "What will they do?" <clears throat> you know, because he said I didn't know them. I couldn't even identify them. You know. So. I know. I know. I just. I, I, said, I, I just wanted out there that make sure when the years go out. Don't be on your own at any stage because you just do not know what's waiting. You have no idea, of course, what it's like you know. uh, when you're when you're out there. It's you're entitled to have a few drinks and have a bit of a speed bobble on the way home. Not a bother. Well, you're entitled to you're entitled to walk home on your own. Like it's just it's that simple. It is, yeah, and it's just so frustrating to think that these people are out there specifically just to do things like this. Yeah. It's so he gets a bad beating horrendous. and he tries to walk home on his own um, and, and he's hurt. He's badly hurt. He, he falls out onto the road, he gets hit by a car or he falls on, mm-hmm. on the path and he bangs his head and he's left there concussed and is a bleed to the brain. Anything can happen. Anything. That's what I said to him. I said, you realise, I said, how bad this could have been had they got you to the ground and you hit your head, you could be up in the COH today. Yeah. Yeah, think about think about the Gardaí. At least give the Gardaí a chance to have a look at the CCTV because these guys, I don't know what will happen to them if ever they get to court. I don't know. You often wonder about the parents, though, because you said in your email, what kind of parents do these lads have? I wonder do they know. Well, as I said, if I my my kids are out at that uh, that hour of the morning, do you know what I mean? And if they're walking around in gangs, like I always know where my children are. Yeah. I know, I know. I know. You know. No, we're just quick to blame the parents. Like, sometimes they don't know. You know. Yeah, but as I said, is this the first time for them? Is this something that they're doing all the time? Is he is he slow now to go out again? Would you think? Oh, I'd say like he hadn't been in town for months. What he usually does is go up to a friend's, and they usually all sit together, and he just gets a taxi home then. So I'd say no. So the first time I'd in months he that he went time. out. He got a beating. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So for these characters, it's part of a night out for them, you see. Give someone a hiding. Mm-hmm. Part of the fun. Part of the uh, part of the social experience of going out with their other thuggy mates, you see. But you see, this is it. And as I said, do they see the danger? Why do they not 
stop to think about what could have happened. There's so much of it out there. It's frightening. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't think because you know? by and large they're brain dead and they need to be taken out of society and jailed for a period of time so that they don't do it again, I guess, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, as a mother, I can understand your frustration and your annoyance. Yeah, I certainly can. Yeah, were yeah. it to happen to anybody's son or daughter. Yeah, yeah. Gee, I said, just really to put a warning out to the... What is the warning? Kids. Like, don't, don't go out in the city? Or if you're out in the city, no, don't be on your own? Don't be on your own. Okay. okay. There's safety in numbers. Thanks, Jean. Appreciate you taking the call. Regards to you and your son. Mind yourself. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red. FM. It's day three of our giveaways in association with Brinks Box and every day this week 300 euro in cash is yours and at the end of the week somebody's going to get the Brinks Box installed into their office or business. You can lodge all of your cash inside in it and it will digitally be credited into your bank account the next day. Then when the box is full, the Brinks Box is full Brinks come along and they collect the physical cash and it's brought to the bank and it's managed safely and conveniently. It's brilliant. It really and truly is very safe very secure and you have the professionals moving your cash for you you can get further details yourself online check out Brinks uh, where cash is still king incidentally which is a good thing so 300 euro every single day I've got a four digit code I'll tell you the three digits but you need to give me the fourth digit correctly to open the Brinks box you get three guesses to do it um, and you can nominate a business a little later on this morning as to who you'd like to win the Brinks box on Friday. So that's a little later on this morning, 300 euro cash every single day. We talk about uh, criticism with regards to trying to, um, you know, uh, deal with law and order and, and incidents like that. You know, a fella got a beaten going home. A young flu got um, uh, isolated from his pals. Uh, I think that if you, if you don't report it to the Gardaí, you'll never have an opportunity uh, to get these guys banged up or would they be banged up? Would they get community service or would they get... Would they get a suspended sentence when they gave a taxi driver on Lee side a very bad beating some years ago? Uh, all of them involved in that got away with a caution. I know, go figure. That's nothing to do with the Gardaí, incidentally. They process the crime, investigate it, bring it to court. It's the court system and the judges give the uh, uh, the warnings or the cautions. But one Garda says, I, I want to remain anonymous, not come on air. Uh, but you wanted to know why so many Gardaí are leaving the force. Um, they're doing so due to bullying and harassment from within the force. Many of the younger Gardaí are leaving early and are doing so because of bullying and harassment. Um, people know firsthand and until it's completely independently overseen, the Gardaí and conduct proper interviews when people are leaving to get the true facts as to why they're quitting. Nothing will change and we'll have no Gardaí left. It's just not um, it's just not attractive to younger cohorts now to go into Angarda Shikana with all the stuff that's going on with, uh, you know, um, certainly... Uh, the pay would be a good place to start and we dealt with that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'll tell you why it's not attractive to be a guard. The pension is one. If I retire as a guard in the morning after 30 years, €100,000 golden handshake plus around €600 a week. But guards now are signing up for 35 years on average. They get 40000 pension and 300 a week. 
uh, from a disillusioned guard. So you can make up your own minds on the figures and numbers there. I was in town Saturday night and genuinely shocked at the complete state of the city. I haven't been in the city for over a year as so I tend to shop locally, but I genuinely wouldn't make the trip again in the near future, which is sad because the city floods my mind with happy memories of my childhood being in there with my nans who have now sadly passed on. I'm only in my 30s and have a fairly open mind about all things, but I can honestly say that it shook me. If I was an undercover guard, I could have arrested two people in plain sight, drug dealing outside the alley next to Penny's at 5pm. There were three separate homeless people walking up and down Oliver Plunkett Street with cops asking people for money and saying things like, ah, come on, come on, help. By Dawn Square, there was a girl and a boy at it and everyone staring at them like honestly what is happening 100% it would not bring my kids into the city which is sad because they will never remember the city the way I fondly remember it I hope you get a chance to read this out but I can't come on air and of course a lot of the people who are begging and walking aimlessly like the walking dead and skeleton thin a lot of them are in the throes of heroin addictions you need to stop blaming junkies winos and beggars me and my daughter don't go to town over being abused and followed by non-nationals. Um, there's Patricia having a go at uh, those. And what do you mean by non-nationals? And how do you mean you're being abused and followed? I'm not disputing that you are for a moment. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, this is a societal problem from all sorts. It's not something that we inherited from, from overseas exclusively. Um, but more guarded presence on the street. That's what an awful lot of people are saying. People even send me screen grabs. I see one, somebody sent me a screen grab from Corn Market Street, half past ten in the morning. Three men sitting there drinking vodka. What has the city come to? And a guard is stationed a hundred yards down the road. Uh, keep those calls coming. Pick up the phone, 0818 Back to the phone lines we go. Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? So that poor lad then walking down the Monaghan Road, heading to, I guess, Ballant Temple or Blackrock or something. Bunch of uh, big, brave lads. Six of them give him a bad beating. Um, what are your they're thoughts? Very on bra- they're very brave. They're very they? brave, yeah, when they can, one can pin his arm, two of them pin the arms back and then the others just lay into him. Very brave entirely. Neil, Neil not just Cork, I'd say, but the whole country seems to have gone feral. Um, all right, some people are saying there's pent-up anger from COVID. That's BS, to be quite honest. We can always find excuses for things. We can find excuses for things. Neil, it, the judiciary are definitely not helping. I mean, right, that young fella in the, on the Monaghan Road. Go to the guards. You might eventually, after, what, 12 months, get to court and to see them with their big smiles walking out with... I mean, look, up the country, I think it was Dublin... Uh, chap in court he's a young an 8 year old boy had shot one of these Nerf guns at his daughter no Nerf guns won't hurt children or any plasticky things he gave him a dig in the face and broke his nose he goes to court 240 hours community service Mm. in what reality is that a deterrent because first of all, they don't even do it, from what I hear. You know that, but, the, you know that the judges are told that the prisons are full. The prisons are full, yeah. So okay. build, build another one. We did well, build, I mean, we build another one. We built a bigger one. We, it's full. Yeah, I think I think it's, it, they, they need to start looking at reopening the monolith that is the old cock prison. Like, but, um, but, I mean, there's a certain, I won't name him, obviously, there's a certain judge in Dublin, and some of his sentences are beyond... Believable. Bad or, or bad or... or, or um... shocking, shocking, unless you're trying to import garlic, like. <laughs> but, I mean, it's absolutely shocking. I mean, that fellow, no, that's 
man that hit the eight-year-old. We've seen it worldwide need one-punch killings. They happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's the fellow who ran after the kids because uh, and, and and gave a young, young fellow a haymaker because were, there was some, arg- some disagreement. Co- yeah, they something like that. They were playing co and Indians, a Nerf gun, like a plastic thing that comes out of it, a little dart hit his daughter. Probably didn't hurt her. No, it may have stung her leg or something. That's okay. In all fairness, Neil, they're not even allowing kids to grow up um, when you have parents or adults. What should like a guy that. who punches an eight-year-old and breaks his nose get? I just said three years, anyway, okay. personally. Right. Okay, so a, guy, a son violently attacked his mother there on Lisa. I told you this. This was in the Cork Criminal Court uh, yesterday. He got six years for it. Uh, rightly so. Yeah, okay. okay but, so right, but I mean, what I can understand then is we'll say just six years and we'll just say they suspend a year or two years. What is the actual point of a suspended sentence? Portion of it can be suspended, suspended but, but for... But what's the point? Uh, Why know, not just give them four years? Well, that's true. Maybe it's a paper exercise. I don't know. Sometimes you get it a portion a, of it suspended a, if you plead guilty. Yeah, you get a suspend. We say a two-year suspension for two years, which means if you do something else within two years, I think you'll go back in or something. Yeah. But it probably, does, it probably doesn't happen. Neil, the justice system needs a complete overhaul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there was serious you know. sentencing that was followed through on, it may well act as a deterrent, wouldn't it? It's the only deterrent. It's, I mean, the guys must be sick to their eyes of it. Walking in, walking out, there's actually 150 convictions, 170 convictions. Sure, God love them, he'd a bad up- upbringing. Well, it's texture says to me um, that uh, the big problem that they're on Garda Shikon have to face now is that nobody respects them because the justice system itself even works against them. He says, I know for a fact that back in my day, if I even back answered a guard, let alone spat or assaulted a guard, which people do all of the time, uh, I'd pay a sore price for it. The guardy are not even protecting themselves by the, by the system. Yeah, 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 okay, definitely some of them went too far. But there was nothing wrong with the guard giving the young fella on the street a kick in the arse. And you went home and you told your dad and your dad gave him another one. You know, it's the respect is completely gone for not just guards, but I mean, look when they have to bring in new laws to protect nurses, doctors. Teachers. Teachers. Not, I mean, not all kids. Let's not turn this into oh, a absolutely major not. against young Absolutely people. not. It is, and it's, it's a small minority. But it's probably generational. Okay, all right. Thanks, all right. Mate. Thanks, Frank. Take care. Respect for guards as well. Gone from those who want to cause trouble. It's a case now that the guards need protection in many situations. And the thought of anyone taking the job with the threat of being shot or stabbed or spat at isn't very enticing to somebody who wants to be a member of Vanguard Shikana. Not to mention the suspended sentencing that's the norm for the, some of the attacks we hear of. Also, a good IT job will pay an awful lot better with a heck of a lot hassle and much safer. Yeah, a good IT job actually would pay twice the starting Garda salary for a young fella or a young girl. Twice. And we see that in the papers this morning. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. I listened to this morning about the court system. Well, I've been in and out of court for nearly 11 years. It's not the solicitors drawing things out. It's the awful court system. They adjourn constantly and give chance after chance after chance. It took me 19 court dates across three years to get maintenance for my child. He was threatened with jail constantly, but never was it ever followed through. So they know they'll get off with it. It's 
it's a horrible judicial system to put people through in Ireland. Somebody else's family law is a complete joke. I was talking about the delay in getting a family law court case into court. It could take four years. Solicitors are a joke. Fees are a joke. I spent over 12 grand in five years and been sent round in circles, uh, sent to the same places. And guess what? Everywhere you get sent costs more and more money. And everybody, bar the two parents, ultimately profit from it. Another person says, oh, 11 years in and out of court, accused of everything you can think of. I took the kids to a child psychiatrist twice uh, by court order, and it didn't make a blind bit of difference. But it cost me €1,500 the first time, 2500 the second time. It found the mother-parent alienation, and even after going to court, after proving it, it changed nothing, having had that medical advice. All back to square one, and we are so we only are a virtual ATM machine, as in when love breaks down. Um, I've never stopped seeing my kids, uh, and I'm sorry, I've never stopped my kids seeing their dad, even though his family talked badly about me. They called me a B, um, the B word. I'm also, they tell him, a crap mum. My kids repeat everything back to me. I was the one that was abused for years, but still you never hear me say a nasty word about their dad. Because at the end of the day, my kids don't need to deal with adult problems. Um, Another person said, um, it's the legal system. I was charged €200 for a five-minute chat with my solicitor. Mother of God, if you were to ratchet that up by uh, by the hour, you were probably charged the hourly rate for a five-minute chat. You most definitely were charged the hourly rate for a five-minute chat. Text 0868-104-106. I'll come back to this topic of conversation throughout the course of the morning. Jim Ahern did some amazing stats. Morning, Jim. Oh, yeah, boy. Thanks, James. We're Because we, we're never too far from housing. God knows we're talking about people living and sleeping in their cars and what have you. And yeah. you, you have done some research to say that it's going to get a heck of a lot worse. First thing you looked at was the population, right? Right, yeah. So we had a population in 2000, which isn't so long ago, right? Was 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 three point eight million? Very low, right? And then we fast forward to two thousand and eight, we were up to four point five million. Big right. jump in that in that period. Yeah, and our population is five point one, shifting onto five point two. Okay, so, so five point two million. That's growing quite rapidly now. Very fast, very fast. And a lot of that is is people coming into the country. Uh, Irish population is still staying as it was around the three point two, three point four million, or we're even dropping ours. Or just the new immigrants are giving us all the population. I think. Well, I think also in in relationships, aren't people having a lot less children? Do you remember back in the day, well, five or six kids in the family? It wouldn't be out of the ordinary now, really. Well, certainly the Irish um, people are having less children, you know. But um, and, and there's nothing wrong with having as many children as you want. That's not an issue at all. But you just we just got to watch where our population shifts is happening now, and it's happening in in, in our new the new Irish. Uh, which is grand, there's no problem with that. But we, we're just not geared up or facilitated for it. Uh, at these rates, we'll never catch up to the housing issue. So if you're if you're on a wait list for 10 years, you're going to be staying on that. Oh, so I say for a public authority house. Yeah, 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 you want to stay on that. And we're not building, in the, we're not building the right properties then for you know, single men or single women. We're all still geared on these three-bedroom houses. So we really got to adjust how we build stuff, you know? Somebody said to me yesterday by text, which I didn't get to read out, I was in Clonakilty on Friday night down in Debarras at a gig, and they said, I wonder if you had an opportunity to walk around Clonakilty and see all of the the buildings, you know, you have the shops on the ground floor, and above them, people are living above all of the shops, they're telling me in Clonakilty. There's flats there and apartments and homes. Ours yeah, are, ours are wasted, but they're using theirs, apparently. 
Well, if, if you go into half them, they're probably not regulated correctly. Yeah, they, they might be, I don't know. The, you know, the fire, the fire starts and the, the break between buildings is very important between commercial and residential. But why do you um, say that it's unlikely the current government plan will ever change because they only house the needy? Well, they, 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 listen, you, every time you get the tree, the tree stoogies stand outside uh, Doyle and above. Um, you know, the, all they're saying is they we're going to help the needy, the refugees, people, you know, people that are in needs. They never say we're going to help the workers. I mean, the workers in Ireland, like to me, are being abused at this stage. They're the people that pay all the taxes, pay all the hits, whatever. Even if they have the luxury of getting a mortgage, you know, there are no interest rates have gone up. Any poor couple that bought a house for 400,000 last year is now paying 800 euros more this year on their mortgage repayment, you know. That's very wrong. Um, you know, we got to do something about that. They, they, the workers are hit, even if they do a bit of overtime. By God, they run into the high tax very quick. That's yeah. wrong. Yeah. We're but really why, then, those- why then do you apportion blame on the people that you describe as the people who have the pain in their back or the people who say, I have mental health issues? That's it, Neil. I know loads of people that wouldn't go to work. I know people that have gone through life that didn't go to work. There's nothing wrong with them. They can just play the system. I'm sure most of your listeners know people like that too. There's loads of people. I don't blame them in one sense because if they go to work, they're back in with the rest of us mm. and mm. they're in trouble, you know? Are they the smart so, ones? I think they are. I think they are. And so it is what it is, you know? I, I, I think if I think to be a, a sponger like that, where you never ever got off your ass, for me, I think it would be a very dull life, you know, a very, you know, unachievable. You're not an achiever. You've you've never done anything. It's unfulfilled to me, you know. But you raised your kids to to to, to work and to benefit and, and get better. And uh, but with, with with all the government taxes and everything else, that's not the dream is gone. Like anyone to have a house now and then they're going walking themselves to the dead and, and be in debt, they're only going to walk themselves into homelessness. You know, with the way the taxes are and the interest rates, we got to stop the interest rates. The banks, which we owned a few years ago, are now making billions, absolute billions, you know, and, and it's not as if they need the money, but they're screwing the workers. Like the workers are very quiet. I don't know why we're not revolting on this. Like you, every, anyone that's walking this week, look at your wages this week and just look how much the government are taking. And then look at everything else, whether it's taxes on your fuel and they're taking everything. And you can't, the mafia wouldn't take this much off, yeah? Mm, mm, mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. You said if you're a worker in Ireland and you work in your way, you are, if you are a worker in Ireland, you're now working your way to homelessness. How? How come? If you're working well, in you're, Ireland, you've got a good job, hopefully. Well, if you've got a good job and you've got a £400,000 house, which is the average house now, some of them are 450 right? And you have to pay an extra 800 euros on that mortgage now next month when all the, over the last year it's gone up by 3% or something. When you went for that mortgage, you could just barely make it. You barely qualified for those rates. And now there's 800 euros thrown on of it. You take 800 euros out of anyone's uh, couple with a child and a big mortgage. They're in trouble, me. Well, they certainly wouldn't have budgeted it when they took out the mortgage. You say that no. the pressure of owning your own home because of the things you just spoke of with interest rates hikes, is putting the worker in Ireland in a place where they will lose their home, but every time a worker loses their home, the government will step in and buy it and give it to the people who don't work. Do you believe that? That's, that's already after happening. There's plenty of houses out there being sold and people emigrate and need. And the council, the council know, you know, if the house comes up in a good estate, the council buy it and they put in... Uh, we'll go to again the person that doesn't want to work or the refugee or the don't hit me for those names these are the people that are moving in they're not moving in workers they're not saying here you're a worker take that or they're not moving in the girl that is on the housing list for 10 years the girl they say ah, but you're, you're renting somewhere you're alright 
They're not moving them in. These are the new people getting it, which is fine. I have no problem with that. Why is it fine? Well, what, who are the new Who are the me? new people that are getting it? Well, look, the new people are the people that are coming on. The, the bubble boats coming in, the refugees. The, what do you think they're all going to stay in aid? They all have to be housed. There's two million extra people in the country. Some of them are working. They're not all sponging now, right? Yeah, but that two million since 2000 didn't all come into the country. I mean, you know, that's... Where did they come from? Well, I mean, I don't have the CSO stats on it, but I'm quite sure that there were a lot of children that were born to Irish people. Oh, they, they would. They would, yeah. They'd be first-round first generation children, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, you no, go back no. to 2008. There was, there was, there was plenty of houses. You could, you could have gone down the road, bought a house, done it up. You could go into a builder and still buy a house. Those dreams are gone. Like, we have 30,000 young Irish people emigrating every year. These are the brains of our country. That's half of the typical Irish population. We normally have 60,000 year births. 30,000 people are emigrating every year. Mm-hmm. And the government doesn't even bother to... It's not even a, an issue to them. These are nurses emigrating, doctors, tradesmen. People are going, and they're going because they, they can get a house abroad. You know, they're still going to be paying But you know, do you know that an awful lot of people that come over here to live in Ireland actually are skilled, or they work here, or they're rare families here, and they pay taxes here. You, there's a good chance if you went to the CUH, you might be operator on one of them, or one of the nurses looked after you. You could be, you could be dealing with them in, in different retail or IT companies that are, you know, set up here in Garth. They're from, they're from overseas, a lot of them. They're not freeloaders. Hey, like in the show, you know, there's not too many doctors, nurses, or players coming in on the boats and in Sugar of Dublin. Like, the people you're on about uh, can apply for a visa and they're, they're more than welcome in every country because they're bringing good skills. Very, very few people that are coming in on the buses have the kind of trade that you're talking about. No, I'm saying they're, and, they're, and multi, they're multi-skilled. They have all sorts of different abilities. What do you mean multi-skilled? Well, I mean, you could be served them in a supermarket. They could give you your coffee. They could cook your food in a restaurant. They could work for an accountancy office. They might be in a law firm. They're from overseas. They, they do all and sorts of things. They could be working in IT. They could be down in call centres. They're everywhere. Yeah, but any one of them that's here, I guarantee you they are struggling to get a home and they are struggling to pay their rent. Okay. Like, yeah. it's, it's bad for them as well, Neil. It's, it's not just bad for us, it's bad for them. And that's not good in a society where it's bad for everyone. I'm not trying to sound as if I'm warning, but if we go up to six million, it's not going to get better. The government's solution of only building social housing and not having no interest whatsoever in the workers, including the workers you're talking about, that come in here and, and, and add to our society, is not the way forward for any country. It's okay. only going to cause trouble. Okay, okay. And good it's not stats. comfortable. Okay, good stats. Thank you for them. You did the research. Appreciate it as always. Thank you, James. Okay. Lines open. On, oh, wait. You can pick up the phone on 0818104106. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, it's been a while. So, uh, your thoughts? Well, I agree with that gentleman that was just on before me there, and I think I thought it was hilarious when he said the three stooges. I couldn't think of anything better myself <laughs> because they've created a country of divide and conquer. And, you know, there are people from other countries that were actually born here now and could be in their teens and early 20s, and they're being looked at as being spongers and freeloaders, and they're actually Irish, the same as you were and I. And... I don't like this divide and conquer mentality. Mm. But anyway... You said to me the other day, if you want to see how Irish society is changing with regards to the integration, just look at the court reports where you're seeing a lot of names now in court that you wouldn't have seen 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago from overseas who were engaged in criminality. Uh, Is that a fair comment? I suppose in a way it is, and I do definitely agree. Anyone that comes over here without any form of identification... They should be just put back on the plane. They shouldn't leave the airport. And that's it, as simple as that. If we don't know who you are, 
goodbye, good luck. Okay. You managed to hold on to your smartphone and the charger, but uh, you managed to lose all your identification. Okay. Sorry, what about I law and order then? What about law and order? Because that's what we were talking about this morning. Well, that was the main thing. I was just thinking today, I mean, the dogs on the street know on Wednesday disability is paid and it's paid in the GPO. And a lot of people that are homeless get paid in the GPO and a lot of people with addiction problems are on disability. Not everyone on disability is, has addiction problems, but a good proportion. And homeless people have kind of like a postal box where their post can be delivered to the GPO. Now, it's common knowledge. We've all seen it. We all know it. We all see it happening. And not once have I seen a guard, outside, even one guard outside the GPO. And I'm not criticising um, the guard, how but do you know, know it's how, a hot spot. How do you know that you don't? Because uh, I see undercover cops in Because I know someone that works in the GPO. It's a woman, there was a woman, there was a woman collapsed in the GPO 10 days ago, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, she was very unwell. And within about 90 seconds, there was two Gardaí to help her. Mm. So th- they are... Okay, listen. I, 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 hate, I hate having to try and defend other people's work. Uh, like, I, I equally was in, in town last week and walked the length and breadth of Patrick Street down the Grand Parade, and I never saw a guard until I got to the Grand Parade to the Peace Park where there was a protest. Um, well, actually, it wasn't a protest. It was a pro-Ukrainian rally. And there was four guardy there. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. so I know I know what you're saying. I was thinking, okay, this is a peaceful rally. Do do, do we kind of need four guardy here? Would it be better if he were spread spread around the city? But maybe that's for another day. But well, Neil, do you also remember last year? Sorry to interrupt you, but you also remember it was last year or the year before. Do you remember when that hooch was being sold outside the GPO as well? Totally. In lemonade bottles. Yeah. We didn't know what it was, whether it was Puccine or whether it was yeah. Surgical Spirits yeah. or what yeah. it was. But following, and but everybody fo- knew that. But hang on a second, just to be fair to the Guardi, following that, that was the story that we did on air and we filmed it and we recorded it and everything and we did a lot of work on it. We sent all of that information to the Guardi. I don't know whether it helped them or not because they were already in the middle of a major investigation and they raided a distillery, a hooch distillery on the Law Road. And they busted it. Yeah. And so, like, it's not as if they're sitting on their hands. That was actively investigated, and they did a dawn raid on it. But I think, like, I am not criticising the guards. The guards were very good to me. I had a very bad fall here at home during COVID, and the community guard came out, and she couldn't be actually couldn't have been nicer. One of the most nicest people that I ever met, and she came into my house. Even she could have got COVID off me for all she knew. She still went out and she did shopping for me and I couldn't have asked for neither. I didn't want to get my family involved because I didn't want to, in case I had COVID. And everyone was terrified of everyone at that stage yeah. in the height of it. They still so are. I'm not they, criticizing they, the guards. Yeah, yeah. I'm not criticizing them, but I think even one guard, when they know when those payments are being made, even if one guard just stood there and just had a presence, because as I said, I know a woman that works in the GPO. And last week or the week before, there was a girl came in and it was nine o'clock in the morning. And she opened up one can of Heineken in the queue. And then she opened up another one after that while she was waiting to be served. So is the security guard in the GPO. So the security guard in the GPO should ask her to leave. What? He did. Yeah. And what do you think happened? Oh, you can't lay hands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
especially to a woman. What did so, happen? Uh, she got her money eventually and they just got rid of her. But, I mean, she'll have to come back and she'll come back, I suppose, to collect her post. I, I believe she was homeless. So, so it's so a you're mecca, in there drinking Heineken. Really. You're in there drinking cans of Heineken in the queue waiting to get your disability or your daughter. At nine payment. o'clock in the morning. Like you can either look at this two ways. You can be infuriated and angry about that, or you say, or you could say she needs help. She's got addiction issues and she needs rehab. I don't know which side of the coin you're on. What made she was abusive? Would yeah. you like to be in the queue behind her? No, I'd I'd move away. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't hack it. I just wouldn't hack it. Can I just just yeah. before you go? Can I just ask you because there is a report out this morning. It's a it's an open letter to. Uh, the elderly amongst us and the chief medical officer, the woman who took over from Tony Hula and her name is uh, Professor Breda Smith. She says older people need to shake off the fear. You just brought it up there a second ago. Shake off the fear of COVID and the pandemic. Stop isolating. Start socialising. Get back to your normal life. Integrate for your mental health and you'll live longer. It's fairly hard hitting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, well, I suppose it does kind of make sense, but you wouldn't think that the government would have to tell you that. No, but, but I'm, I'm asking you, would you think that there still is um, quite a lot of isolation, that elderly people haven't shaken off the lockdown fears? Oh, definitely, and I don't think it's just among elderly people either. I see people still, you know, going around and, like, the days of shaking hands are gone, and I'd be kind of touchy-feely. I like to shake hands with I someone if hands. I meet I them shake at first. Hands. Do you, did you not, have you stopped shaking hands? Yeah. Because some people would just look at you as if, like, you have to be on a plague or something and back off right. about six steps away from yeah. you, you know? Yeah. So you just don't do it anymore. Or giving someone a hug or something, you know what I mean? If you knew them before, I mean, obviously I wouldn't hug a total stranger, but I might shake hands with them. I wouldn't be that familiar now that I'd be giving you a hug and a mwah, mwah on each cheek when I beat you. <laughs> whenever we do, whenever we physically do meet, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll be expecting a hug. Yeah, a, we'll have to. Mwah. We'll have to go French and Italian. Mwah, mwah, right. Yeah. All right, my man. Mind yourself. Thanks, good Anthony. Good talking to you. Cheers. All take care. Breeda, good morning. Bye. Thanks for holding. Appreciate it. You wanted to talk about an incident that happened. Can you hear me? All right. You've got a radio on there, Breeda. So just turn it off or turn it down back after the break. <laughs> Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Right to be Dermot Stanley by. I'll come to him in a second. Breeda, good morning. Good morning. That's um, much better. That's um, much better. I'm grand. What happened on the bus? Was it yesterday? I, I was coming in from um, a doctor's surgery in Corrigan. Right. Okay. So I, I was only. The bus was about 20 past three. Now, I never get a bus, Neil. Anyone would tell you. But I got the bus. What do you usually do? Walk? Is that Shanks Mayor? Oh, so I usually drive. All right. Okay. You got the 208. Okay. Yeah. I need two new legs now if I was walking. But anyway, <laughs> I, the number is. So anyway, I got on the bus and I used a walking stick, Neil. And this other girl got on behind me. She had a walking stick. So we sat in the seats. And the rising you going into the bus, it's for disabled people. Good. No, I'm not that disabled, but I, I still sit there because of the walking stick and things. So about two stops down anyway, he, the busman stopped and this one got on the bus with um, a buggy. And I don't know, was it her partner or her husband? And she said, get up. Get so up. Get up. She says to you, get up. Get up. Yeah, get up. 
Mrs. Woman with the husband and the buggy says to you, get up. She was in her twenties, I suppose. So I said, so I looked at her. I said, keep your mouth shut. Would you be pension age? Would you, Brida? Yeah, Neil. I told you I was over seventeen years. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, I looked at her. You shouldn't be sitting there. She said, "No, she was non-national, white, but non-national." So she, I said, "Excuse me." So I was just going to show her the walking stick. She saw the walking stick, and I said, "Sorry, are you joking me?" So she told the other girl that. Now the other girl was nervous out. She was in her late 20s. And she is, uh, she uses a stick as well. So I said, don't you dare get up. She went to get up. She got up. Don't you dare get up, I said. You sit down there, I said. How dare you, I said. Who do you think you are? You come into this country, I said. And you bully everyone, I said. And you get social welfare. So we're going to to use language but I said I won't she kept mouthing anywhere off and uh, the fella the husband whatever he was said do you, do you see that she's pregnant I don't care if she was having five children I said how dare she I said no me normally I would get up right I, I got up there one day going down to man because the lady had nowhere to sit yeah so she, she was mouthing anyway to the husband. So I looked, I said, excuse me. I know what you're saying, I said. And I'm not a bitch, I said. To show the bitch. Did somebody call you a bitch? You wanna? All right, okay. That's what she was mouthing, calling you. I one another. Yeah. And I said, how dare you, I said. Go back to your own country, I said. So the bus man was laughing. Now, it was about the 20 past three bus. Now, everyone on the bus heard don't you dare, I said. And watch yourself. Did anybody get up and let the pregnant woman sit down, incidentally? Pardon? Did any other person on that bus get up and let the pregnant woman sit down? No. No. Okay. No, there were elderly. There were there was elderly people on the bus. There was maybe about five or six um, young people. So why didn't one of them get up and let a pregnant woman sit down? They were afraid. They weren't, they weren't sitting down, Neil. They were standing. Okay, well, were there people of, you know, of, of a, a, a kind of young, fit, able people sitting down in seats that didn't get up for a pregnant woman? Uh, they could have been down at the back. But mm. she wanted, where we were sitting, she wanted because she needed to put the buggy in there. Yeah, yeah. And are they deemed to be... Um, parent yeah. and baby buggy areas are their disability seats. They decide across the ones across the way are for buggies. So when you, did you not say to her, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree, kid. Or the side of the bus for you. Well, I got her, I held the walk. Did you see that stick I said? So she she kind of backed away then. But she gets now for the bus anyway. She gave me a look. And I looked back at her. Yeah. And the girl said to me, this woman said to me, you were dead right, she said. I, Come here, I said. They bully everyone, I said. In here, I said. Not at all. So they don't. But they don't, they don't. They don't. They don't. You can't say that all people who come into Ireland are bullies. Sure, that's nuts. Think about what you're they're, saying. They're not all bullies, but this one was. Oh, she was. Totally, yeah. Absolutely. And so was totally, the, so was totally the partner. Right. 
like I, I didn't mind being told get up because I was well able for her anyway. Right? But she told the other girl there, the girl was scared of her life. So I just told her, sit down, I said, love, I said, I look after you, I said, I should want to ask you again. Right, okay. You we stood can't your ground. get the bus now, Neil. No, I'm, gl- I'm glad you stood your ground. I, I'm, I have to, but I'm obliged to say to you, though, that you can't be saying to people, go back to your own country. Um, nor can you be, nor can you be assuming that everybody's here as a freeloader getting everything for nothing. Do you follow me? I do, I do follow you, Neil. But I know loads, Neil, that are freeloaders, and I'd be honest with you, Neil. I won't say the rest. Yeah. I won't. Right. Well, well, don't. But you see, now you might get say- a phone call about that because there must have been. 10 to 15 people yeah but you see just... me even when I went over into Max and Spencer's uh, they approached me and they said good on you but I said I was fighting for my rights I said you... I was sitting down I said yeah yeah. No, it was very disrespectful. It was rude and it was unacceptable. It was an obnoxious behaviour. Well, I wasn't too. accepting it anyway, Neil. Yeah, but That's why it just said I drink to Oh, I know, but it's, others would say that saying a term like go back to your own country is a racist remark. So, Neil, I told you I wasn't racist, didn't I? Yeah. 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 But... Yeah. But you, but you, I know, look what happened to you was shocking. And I'm yeah. also, I'm also surprised that nobody else got up to let the pregnant woman sit down. But they probably didn't because she was rude. And she, she was, was rude. Uh, yeah, very, yeah. very, very rude. Me. But this was a rude woman. It uh, doesn't matter what country she comes from. She was rude yeah. and disrespectful. Get out of that seat. <laughs> like, I'm Don't sorry. Get but, out. Get up off of that seat. You yeah. shouldn't be sitting there. Yeah, yeah. No, you were right to stand your ground in that regard. You certainly were. You certainly were. Neil, I was on the radio with you years and years Well, it's ago. lovely to talk again. It was over the bingo and Grana Brawler, the, the young fellow winning the jackpot, <laughs> and we it, had a great chat. Was it big but money? It was about a thousand or two. How oh, bad. That was years ago, Neil. Well, anyway, listen, go away and have a good day. You too. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks for, for sharing the, the story. Car. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you so okay, much. Look. That's a public transport story also. Uh, I, because I, <laughs> I was due to talk to somebody about two weeks ago. There was a, there's still a problem at the CUMH where men who are at the CUMH apartments, appointments with their partners won't get up out of the bloody seats and let pregnant women sit down. I think Susie was a, a call that was supposed to come on. That hasn't changed, you know, getting up and letting people sit down. Dear Med, good morning. Uh, good morning. Thanks for um, holding. You have the floor. Go ahead. Ah, yeah. No, I just, uh, although I'm living in Kerry now, a good few years, I was traveling abroad a lot. I did Kerry, uh, sorry, I did six years in France, six years in Spain, uh, various years in Germany, Italy, uh, Greece. Uh, uh, so I've been around the block a bit. Okay. And uh, I can tell you, having lived in all those places and got to know all the different cultures that are around there, that um, street violence uh, in cities predominantly, but also can be even in small villages. I had problems in a small village one time. Um, There are certain cultures that have moved in from other parts of the world where a woman walking by themselves is classed as a prostitute and it's a legitimate target. And uh, when you get a gang of five or six or ten guys from these parts of the world, with that attitude, they will uh, 
follow women, hassle them, uh, rape them, whatever. I, so you know, that's, 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 a, that's, that's incredibly uh, broad statement to make, isn't it, about all men who come in from other countries, in fairness? No, I didn't say all men. I yeah. said certain cultures so, yeah. and certain countries. But like certain, certain cultures could be, certain cultures could be certain cultures. Well, I'm just saying that these women are not exaggerating when they're saying they're being hassled, walking down the street. I can see it taking place in uh, in Killarney. I can see it taking place in uh, other countries, uh, counties. Okay, so you are, you are talking from experience of what you have seen, that different yes. cultures from different countries, the men from some of these countries with their different cultures are very disrespectful, mm-hmm. and that's putting it mildly, to women. Well, let's, let's put it right. A few years ago, I was down in Spain. A girl went round to some guy's house. Uh, he was Spanish. I mean, we're not talking. And uh, she got raped. And the police said, well, in the Spanish law, if you go into a guy's house, that's it. Tough. You know. The, um, so, what? it's not... It's, it's <laughs> Do you not have any just, idea how crazy that sounds? As if to suggest there aren't rape laws in Spain. Oh, there are rape laws, but one of them is uh, if you lead him on and you go to his house, uh, uh, tough. Uh, that was their attitude. So, but that is not the law. In, that is not the law in Spain. That law doesn't exist. Well, it may anyway. not be the law, but was, that was what happened when she went to report it to the local police. I was in Ibiza for six months, and uh, I saw a lot. Okay, so what, what you're saying is that the police in Ibiza told her, the police told her, tough yeah, luck. We're not, we're not even touching the fire. We're okay. not. Even going there, okay. you walked into his house. Um, it's his apartment or his place, and uh, that's it. Top, you know that. That was the attitude. Okay. So um, there's lots of parts of the world where uh, women have got to uh, pay more attention. But the problem is those attitudes from other parts of the world, be it Spain or Russia or wherever, uh, can be coming in here, and. Um, the, uh, but you're like, you could, I mean, I, I'm just gobsmacked that you would think that there would be anything really different between Spanish culture and Irish culture. I mean, we go to Spain all of the time, don't we? They, they come we here. We're, 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 we're kind of, we're Celts. We're all the same. Oh, I'm well aware of that. I love Spain. It's my second home. Okay. Whenever I can get over there, I'm over there. But I, I've been on the... Um, but talk to, me about Kal- talk to me about Killarney. Oh yeah, you, you, when you're walking down the street at night in Killarney, you will see various guys who I've seen before in various parts of the world with their certain cultural attitudes to start hassling women. Um, and in some cases, like we had... Okay, hold, girl, hold, on there one, hold on there one second if you can. Oh no, I'll come, I'll come back to it in a second. I just need to get a call on air before 11 because she's catching a plane. Carry on there until I get her. Go ahead, Dermot. Um, we had a court case there a while ago. A Romanian was put in prison for 15 years. A girl hitchhiked, uh, not hitchhiked, she caught a taxi. It was fake plates, Romanian driving it. He's wanted in half a dozen countries for raping women. He raped her. Uh, she went public on it the YouTube the other day. Yeah. Um, he, he took her by the head, smashed her head against the um, uh, dashboard, knocked her out for a few hours, and from the... Um, um, leftover uh, liquids, the guard were established that good, she was good, raped. Good, good. And of course, that yeah. is indefensible what he did. Don't get, like, nobody would agree yeah. that, it, that, that that is rape. It's the most serious assault. Gotta go to jail for that. But you yeah. mentioned you mention, you mention the country that he's from. 
Yes, because that's now a court case. That's an established fact. Yes. You know, yeah. we, we, no, we're not brushing all Romanians with this particular problem. But um, my Romanian friends, who are quite a lot of, I mean, I get up great with lots of people from different countries <laughs> uh, because I travel a lot. Um, they, they would not think that that will be a considerably um, unknown event because, um, you know, the history of being in the Eastern Europe uh, and the Russians controlling the country and the Russians very often raping the uh, locals because they control the country at the time, in the Soviet times. So there's a high level of lawlessness in a lot of countries, which is diminishing. I mean, uh, Romania... When, when law and order breaks down, it leads to yes. tremendous lawlessness. I think we, we, we've seen that recently in Ukraine, where inv- invading forces, as in Russian, unfortunately... There was an awful lot of rape um, and there was an awful lot of degradation to women. And uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was well, shocking. See, now, it, it, bear, is not, bear it is mind, not part of war, of course, but yes. it's... it's but bear, bear in mind that most of the Russian army is coming from the Asian parts of the world where they live in small villages and uh, uh, they basically okay. have no... Can I just, right. can, I just give, can I just give you a statistic, if you don't mind? And these are statistics yeah. that we were looking at yesterday. It's from Rape and Justice in Ireland. It says, mm-hmm. and these are suspects by country of origin, right? Suspects yes. by country of origin for the last available year. Um, though, and this involves, um, uh, as I say, rape, uh, sexual assault and criminality like that. 75% of those suspects were Irish. 75. Um, uh, a lot of the others then were from either Western or Eastern Europe, but 75% were Irish. Now, how, how would you address that? You would say, well, yeah, but 25% of them weren't. Okay, well, in France, uh, most of the rapes are done by French, but they're second generation from some other part of the world. Okay, okay. Um, so, even though 75% of what they call Irish, you can be sure that uh, there will be an interesting percentage of second generation, which, funnily enough, um, tends to be the norm in Europe. Uh, it's generally not the first generation. Well, 75% of them were Irish, 10% of them, 11% of them were European, and 5% were African. And then you go down into Asia, North and South America, and much, much lower. Yes, but they're, yes, the, but, they're the but, four main groups, Ireland, Europe, Africa. They're the highest yes. stats. But how many of those percentage that if the Irish um, were born in Ireland come from okay. some other part of the world and they're automatically classed as Irish okay. once they're born in Ireland? And the harassment that the harassment that girls are getting in Killarney is that is that quite regular? I don't know because I only I, I only live up in Tralee and I run down to Killarney every now and then. Um, I've just seen it on Saturday nights and I've seen various uh, videos from on YouTube's about it. Um, yeah, there's, I think it's 30% of the population now in Killarney is non-Irish. Uh, I'm not sure the exact statistic, okay. but I was quite surprised okay. at the statistic. But you, but you know, you know that we, we need integration, like that we, like that we should all be able to move freely if, we, if we're contributing to society. We don't, we don't want freeloaders. We don't want freeloaders coming over here, nor do we want our own freeloaders. We want people to get off their ass and contribute. And, they sh- and we should be able to move about like that. I mean, within laws and visas and things like that. I understand that. Uh, that we don't want to be an island cut off from the rest of the world. Oh, no. Nobody wants Ireland to be cut off from the rest of the world. Uh, the, I'm just saying there's a difference between integration on our part and accepting that um, 
just because the other culture is coming from another region. No, it's not acceptable that you would say that women are a target. And uh, we can rape them with impunity in our country. So now for your country, we can do the same. No, absolutely not. And out you go. Out you go. Yeah. Okay, Dearman, thank you so much. Show me a government official that will deport anybody. Germany what? Uh, I have, I, when do they deport anybody these days? They just say, here's your deportation papers, deport yourself whenever you want. So, of course, they're not going to deport okay. themselves. Let me get a fast one on this side of um, 11, if you don't mind. Thank you, Dermot. Interesting thoughts. Your thoughts are welcome on cultural differences or indeed cultural indifferences. Trish, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Um, but, 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 uh, you were on a bus, is it? You were coming from CUH. Did you have crutches? I had crutches, yeah. I was I was asked to get a new replacement. I was I, I had tread and tap, so I had to go to see UH to, to start it. So I was coming back in the bus, and uh, the bus is packed to you know, school time, and all the children were sitting down, and there was no one getting up. And next to this girl, she was down a bit in the bus. She was, I have to say, she wasn't there. And she got up and she brought me down to see where she was sitting, which I thought was brilliant. Okay, so a person who wasn't born here was the person who got up to help you down exactly. to her seat. Exactly. That's exactly it, yeah. yeah. But none of the students got up and saw a woman with absolutely crutches? Absolutely nobody. No, absolutely not. Not near. No, absolutely not. But they're preoccupied that they didn't see you or what? Sure, I mean, they, they could stick their nose in the phone. They wouldn't see anybody. Do you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't ask anybody. And I mean, I, that lady they was talking about those seats that are first row for needy people. She'd tell everybody people sit in those the most, most of the time. Do they? And refuse oh, to yeah. get up then, is it? Well, I don't, I, I don't use them with 100%, like, but I can tell you that on that occasion, anyway, but uh, definitely, like, that they didn't... Uh, but Brida, they Brida didn't was saying up. it was the manner in which she addressed her. Get out of that seat, she said. Well, yeah, no, I, well, I didn't have that problem, no, because I just stood there to see if someone get out, get out of the seat and this girl did come get, get out of the seat, you know? It's sad that none of the students said, God almighty, I feel disappointed hearing that. Get up and let yeah, a woman sit down. Definitely did happen. I mean, it's about two, two, three or four years ago. Maybe, I mean. maybe, unfortunately, society is changing so quickly that they're told, you know, everybody is now equal. You, you know, you just paddle your own canoe, pal, and you don't look at to others. And, you know, it could be seen as a sign of weakness or disrespectful to you to offer you a seat. Do you get that kind of twisted logic? Um, but I think, yeah, but I also think like that even elderly people don't get offered a seat. Elderly people don't you get know? offered a seat? No, no. Sometimes, I mean, I, I don't use the bus that half of but sometimes you see it there. But, but I mean, I, I, like not everybody. I know loads of 20-somethings, boys and girls, and they would get up and give a seat. I just Maybe it's in the breeding, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I was actually going to the summer show in Dublin one day, and of course I had a stick. And uh, this man, I don't know where he was from, we won't comment on that, but he had a young fellow with about 10, and the young fellow was taking up the seat. No way would he just even give up, give up the seat to anybody. He said, don't get up. He told him, he told, yes, told him don't get up, yeah. What an idiot. Yeah, what an idiot, not, like. Not, He's uh, well, disabling no. that child, like, you know? Well, he, was, he wouldn't give up the season here, that's for sure. All right. All Thank right, you, girl. Steve. Okay, Thanks. take care, Bye. Trish. Bye. Take Bye. care. Back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Okay, uh, day three of our 300 euro cash giveaway Courtesy of ourselves and Brinks Box uh, At the end of the week 
the prize is a business will receive a Brinks box and a monthly subscription for the Brinks box for six months. Uh, and how that works is you literally put it in your business. And if your business involves cash, then you put the cash in the Brinks box. It automatically um, lodges it to your bank account the next working day. And then when the Brinks box is full, they physically collect the cash, Brinks collect it, and they lodge it for you. So it's a win-win for everybody. Never have to go to the bank and everything is managed safely, fast. And of course, um, you know, cash is, is king for many businesses, so you need to be more secure. So check out the Brinks box yourself online. So the deal today is another €300 Euro cash prize. I have a four-digit code. I will give out the first three digits of the code, and you have three guesses to guess the fourth and final digit and open the Brinks box. If you do so, I'll give you €300 Euro cash. So here's the deal. I also want you to text if you want to get on the air for this and when you're texting you must nominate a business that you would like to win the Brinks box for on Friday so the way that you can get on the air and win the 300 euro cash is by texting 086-8104-106 right now nominate a business that you would like to see win the Brinks box uh, and you have an opportunity to get on the air and guess the four digit code and win 300 euro cash for yourself simples talk to Neil Prendeville now 0818-104-106 Cork's Red FM interesting one there in Killarney great show I have to say whether people are for or against immigration do you think the first question to be asked should be is the Irish government's immigration policies working I guess even the most liberal people would say no and the next question is if it's not working why isn't it working I'm living in Mill Street and I used to go to Killarney regularly. Now I won't go anywhere near Killarney after 6pm. It is so horrible. People in Killarney might well be listening to this and maybe have an opinion on it. Text 0868104106. Lots then on different topics throughout the course of the morning. I will come back to electric cars. I was talking about electric cars earlier on this morning. And I uh, hope to drill into it a little bit more, particularly if you guys drive electric cars, you know, the cost you paid for it and the, you know, the cost of charging and the distance you can drive. Um, but I just see one here that's more hybrid car related. Hybrid really is kind of like, uh, you know, the, the, I suppose uh, the, the poorer cousin of fully electric, but it's a step on the way to full electric. It's kind of a little bit of electric and a lot of petrol and what have you. My son charges his hybrid car fully every day. He gets from Tivoli to the Model Farm Road on a single charge. Do you think that's economical? Not 100% sure how a hybrid works, to be honest. I think with the electric power in a hybrid, you're probably limited to 40 or 50 or 60 kilometers on it, aren't you? That kind of thing. And if you're stuck in traffic and you have the heating on, and I know that the hybrid engine generates the, the battery power, I understand that much of it, but I've never had a hybrid car, so... I can't speak to that, but I do know that we'll a lot. I'll come back to it later on this morning because we had a breakdown on charge times and the cost of charging various cars, the cost of price of them to buy new and the amount of kilometres that you get. Remember, they might say that it'll do 400 kilometres, but that's in ideal driving conditions. Like if you're stuck in traffic or you're driving up and down a lot of hills or up a lot of hills or you have the heating on, and that, that depletes the electricity, the electric battery very quickly, doesn't it? Um, if you're going to Dublin on the train for a day or two, Park in Little Island train station. It's free. You get the you you'd get a train to Kent Station for cheaper than the parking. There other than parking in Kent Station, park in Little Island, take the train, you know, the, the Cove train that goes all the way down east, and get on that train and then get the train to Kent up to Dublin, cheaper parking. Um a lot then on issues involving domestic violence from this morning and coercive control. Anna is an extremely brave lady. For one, to walk away, and two, to open up on radio. Her sharing this morning will help so many people. 
Trevor says, just like those ads that show women in fear of men and their verbal and mental torture and abuse, this piece of garbage is worthless and good for nothing. No woman should have to put up with that. And if you're in a relationship like that, then reach out to a friend or a family member. They're not men who behave like this. They're just useless, worthless, waste of oxygen vermin. They're, they're bullies who never grew up. Disgusting behavior. I hope that lady finds the strength and courage to move on. That's the email that I read from another woman who's strapped in it. Uh, that she finds the strength and courage to move on and find a proper life for herself and her kids Tell her to take care. Neil, I just heard your chat. I need help myself and I don't know where to go or who to talk to. It's been affecting me for eight years and I need to get help or feel as if I'll have a brain problem from all of the stress I have to deal with. If you can just give me a number to ring somebody, it would be the best help ever. Thank you. First of all, I just need the uh, the numbers again there, if you don't mind. First of all, uh, I think that one of the best things you could do to begin with is to share how you're feeling with a family member or a friend. And secondly, then, you can call the Samaritans or the uh, National 24-Hour Helpline, which would be the Rape Crisis Helpline. Don't worry, uh, don't worry about who you call. It's just making the call that matters. Samaritans are on 116123, and the 24-Hour Rape Crisis Helpline um, is always available 24-7. It's a 1-800 number, double seven double eight. There are other numbers that might well suit you also, so do stay listening. In the case of men, there is an, a men's aid number that's very important as well. It's an 01 number, 554-3811. I think maybe the text that I just read out, they're telling me my ear actually is from a man. You know, I say that uh, he's eight years trapped in a situation that he's just really dying inside from uh, men's aid 0155543811 you talk of course of control that stuff makes my blood boil if any of ye tough guy men who do this stuff are listening just rem- remember this someday you'll be physically weak and old and unable to defend yourselves if attacked or bullied ye are pathetic so- so-called human beings stop doing what you're doing the wheel turns and karma will get you sooner or later Coercive control men are cowards, pathetic little cowards. A man bullying or beating a woman is one of the lowest things in life. It should carry a mandatory life sentence. You are no different to rapists and murderers. You aren't worthy to be allowed to continue to breathe oxygen, says Noel. Can't come on air, but I've been in a similar position myself and finally got out of it. I had to run many times with the children. I'm so happy now. You couldn't knock the smile off my face if you tried now. There's one thing I'll say, Neil. Mothers-in-laws can make a situation so much worse by sticking their nose in, getting involved and controlling, says Una. There are more like that, which I will come back to throughout the course of the morning. If I don't get it to do it this morning, I certainly will first thing in the morning. But on gender violence uh, in general, uh, that's so awful with regards to the lad who got a bad beating heading home down the Monaghan Road. But you are right. CCTV solves loads of crimes. We should be like England where there is CCTV everywhere. There's scumbags everywhere and antisocial behaviour everywhere. Now, the north side is very bad at the moment. I live in the north side. They're going around in groups, 10 to 15 of them. Why don't the government change the laws and just finally lock up these thugs for a long period of time? You talk about defending uh, the Garda Shikona. What about David Babington's bad beating? What did the Garda do about that? 
right in the middle of an investigation, um, if I were to guess it, right in the middle of an investigation. And hopefully somebody will be brought to justice, whoever uh, laid their hands upon David Babington heading back to his hotel after a night out socialising. Text 0868104106, pick up the phone on 0818104106. I mentioned earlier on this morning, uh, and I don't want your eyes glazing over on this, that there's been a call out, and I will come back to other issues, I promise you, but there's been a call out now from the uh, Chief Health Officer saying that people who are elderly that have gone through COVID, an awful lot of them haven't come out of it. They're still isolating, they're still in fear of it. And she is saying very strongly that you need to start living your life again. You need to start integrating. People are in fear of, of, of getting sick or dying from COVID, even as we speak. Um, and she's saying that, you know, for your mental health, you need to get out there. And also to live longer, you need to be among people. You can't just live your own four walls. Easy for me to say, you know, because I don't, I'm not in fear. But for those that are, it's easy for me to say. But there was a former member of Neffet who came out there yesterday and said that Ireland imposed measures during COVID that excessively limited basic freedoms. It's a Professor Martin Cormican uh, who said um, that... We depended way too much on fear to influence behaviour during COVID, causing fear. He said Ireland focused too much on short-term data like case numbers and mortality and, and we excessively limited basic freedoms for too long, caused collateral damage to people's health and well-being, in particular people who are vulnerable and disadvantaged. So you can see why some people who are vulnerable, disadvantaged or elderly are still not coming out. He also went on to say that the ban on visiting nursing homes and the decisions to close schools long term were wrong. Vaccination was the outstanding measure that reduced deaths um, and it would have been more straightforward to opt for mandatory uh, vaccination, particularly with regards to international travel. Um, Now, Michal Barton has come out and said that there's going to be a public inquiry into how we handle COVID to learn from that to see if we have another pandemic and see if we'd handle it differently. So that evaluation or that inquiry, whatever it's going to be, uh, it's going to cost a lot of money um, and that will be announced later in the year. But you remember the stuff like, because we were sharing this online, you know, last night, 1.7 million cases of COVID in Ireland, 8,655 deaths and we had vaccines and masks and, you know, 10 at a funeral, 10 inside in a church. Um, You know, the fact that you had to order a pizza to go for a pint, uh, things like that, the nursing home visit limitations and all the different COVID checkpoints and don't go further than two kilometres and stuff like that and the hand washing and the masks. And of course, a lot of countries are now saying, and I saw it from America yesterday, that mask wearing um, had very little impact at all in stopping uh, COVID from spreading. I know it might sound extraordinary to say that, but read it yesterday and the top 10 list of things that actually didn't help during COVID but anyway enough of me we took to the streets of Cork at least Seamus did uh, recently asking the people of Cork would they be in favour of this inquiry and if there was an inquiry what questions should be asked within that inquiry have a listen to the streets of Cork from yesterday good question should we no do you think it's a waste of money no I think we did quite well just leave it alone it's in the past let it go it would be a bit unfair for the people to be found accountable anyway because we were in a total new situation we never experienced the likes of it before I'm sure there will be lessons learned from it it was appalling that so many uh, patients in nursing homes for example were dropping down like flies they they were the people I believe there was a very high percentage of uh, nursing home patients uh, residents that lost their lives in that uh, pandemic and they were they seemed to be, to have been neglected somewhat uh, compare you know in comparison to we'll say the patients in hospitals and that 
they didn't get proper resources, uh, they weren't protected, and uh, the staff uh, weren't, didn't know what was happening, and they got no resources either, I believe. So I'm sure there are lessons to be learned from it. They didn't know what they were dealing with, so they'd done the best they could, really. Would you not think so? You're not answering me? No, but they did. They'd done the best they could. I think anyway, sure. I mean, it was all a new a new thing to everybody. So it's like, I suppose, long ago, convulsions and all TB and all them things. People spend years inside in a, a hospital for TB. And do you think the results will be just put on a shelf uh, gathering dust or is it, is it waste of money? I hope not. I'd sooner them to look into it and find out. And never again get it. That's the size of it. <laughs> they had to do what they had to do. I think waste of time. Inquiries just cost too much money. We've had enough of them. <laughs> My mother was in a nursing home, and I think I think people have learned. I I think as as family of people who were in a nursing home, I think we've learned a lot as well, and we would never let something like that happen again. I don't think we need an inquiry. I think we need to move onwards and deal with the problems that we have in our country at the moment, besides looking backwards. Nobody in the world knew what to expect from this virus. So I have to be um, so cognizant of that. But today, if we're, I don't think it should be left to ourselves, ourselves to make decisions as to how far we go or how far we, we should not be isolated. And I think schools should have been handled differently because some youthful children now have missed out their teenage years. They've gone a different route. They didn't have the same experiences. No, I know my experiences and yours would have been different to what's happening nowadays. But you know what I'm saying? They didn't have the freedom to mix that with older people. And still older people are not coming out. They're still afraid. Like, we're not. You know? I think the inquiry should be made that at the start, we they knew that the high temperature for number one, right? You know, the way that people weren't allowed in dessert. They could have done that from the start. You know what I mean? If you're sick, you're sick. They you know what I mean? That, as a microbiologist, even though I know the dangers of it, I think there was it was too much. But really, it was like... But that was have been as well. Like I'm, it I'm was, I know, but I still think it was too much. Why? Everyone was frightened to the eyes. Like, we're all thinking we were dying. Just people who are vulnerable should have been kept at home. I know I shouldn't say that, but... The rest of us shouldn't but have. Do you get what I mean? I was, but, yeah. but, it's, but we could still visit you to a certain extent. I know. Because you're know. not sick, I like. I mean, our groceries <laughs> were bought for us. The door was open. They were landed there like that. We had to leave them rest for a while. Then we had to wash everything that, I, that somebody might have touched. Oh, yeah. Might have I mean, been too much. That was definitely too much. I think it's a good idea, yes. Because I think everybody's got a different experience of how the pandemic went. And I think we can all learn from... Experience and what would you like included in the inquiry? I think how the lockup went, how the schools went, and how they people in nursing homes were treated or excluded, included to away that thing. Well, I suppose it's always a good thing to actually assess the situation and to go back over and see if we can learn from any shortcomings or mistakes that could have been made. I'm sure they didn't get it all perfect. Um, but at the same time, um, I suppose they could, you know, there were positives out of it as well. Winner of two goals at the Imro Radio Awards 2022.
The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Okay, Vince is standing by, so is Rosie. But first up, Sean. Sean, good morning. Hey, good morning, Neil. Just interested there in listening yeah. to that Vox Pop where one woman said they did... They didn't know what we were what we were going through or what we were dealing with, and they did the best they could. We're talking about a public inquiry, and also the chief medical officer saying people need to get back to living again. Well, uh, to address that, one of the members of NIFA is after coming out now and kind of jumping ship and and kind of throwing a lot of criticism on everything they did. During, during lockdown. Yeah, he said that we excessively limited basic freedoms. We depended on fear too much. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that caused and collateral said, damage to people's health and well-being. Yeah, and he said the use of the phrase follow the science was both, both misleading and immoral. And the use of masks in school, like, like so much else, deprived children of their education and childhood. We didn't know what we were dealing with, though. It's an interesting thought that uh, one of the people in the well, box said. So that's, that's why there was fear. He made the point that the, the power and the influence it gave people and even the wealth and the personal gain, that did that affect the decisions they made. Like I know the former CMO, Tony Holden, he's, he took his Twitter account with him and it's got like 200,000 followers. Ah, yeah, but that, like, that's uh-huh. neither, okay, but just let's, that's neither here nor there, really. Yeah. I mean, you were talking about the government, was a for, the lockdown was abusive to the population. Why? It was. Like, it was... I listened to the show since this morning and it was galling to hear the uh, Brita Smith, the CMO, just now encouraging the elderly to live their lives again. And, and then later on I heard the Sinclair College who survived course of control. Mm. And there's um, there is overlap between, between the two forms of abuse. Like people ask themselves, did they experience these things during lockdown? Enforced isolation, monitoring, denial of freedom, gaslighting, name calling, limiting access to money, turning people against each other, controlling health and body, regulating your relationships, threatening your children. Like, all of these things happened, and it was the, it was the lockdown of the government that... It's, but the things you just listed there, people. they're at the hands of a partner, right? Not at the hands of the state. But there's no... It's abuse. It's abuse. Like, we've had decades of state abuse here, and this was another chapter of it. And we've come to recognise that over the decades, and... Like the guys from are jumping ship, and now the government are going sure. To COVID did turn people against each other. I remember it. It was you know yeah. accusing supermarkets horrible. and murder and trying to get food and walking too close yeah. and coughing and not putting masks on and you know, yeah, I remember you all that. Yeah, it was horrible. It tore people apart. And and you said uh, only ten people could attend the funeral. And I, I friends of mine, they weren't allowed to attend their their relatives' funeral. But I mean, I could never see the logic of ten people inside in a huge church. To be honest with you. It's illogical, and the the logic actions continue in Ireland. It's it's, it's mind-boggling, really. And, and people were things like they were uninvited to uh, the Christmas dinner, for instance. You know, because they they didn't have they hadn't taken the vaccine. Because once again, Neffet and the government pumps everyone full of fear. And even during the news show, there, Breda Smith, she actually used the phrase "our threat-focused brains." I mean, who speaks like that? I think I think that means that we have a natural disposition to fear uh, our brain. And they knew that. Uh, yeah. They know we're admitting method that they use. We, are, that we have a natural. We are. We naturally default to fear and worry. Yeah, and the guy that's after jumping out of Neffet now says they they were aware of that and they they lent on that too much and they fill people full of fear. You believe that like the I, state should never be given the power again to overstep the mark like they did? Not like that, because it's. People were warning at the time that 
um, the children weren't at risk. It was kind of, you know, who was at risk and who wasn't. People were warning, they went to the discussion, but no, they were shut down. And they warned that the, the waiting lists were going to happen. People were going to be undiagnosed with various illnesses. All this was warned at the time, but it was shut down because of the fear that was pumped into people. And people people suffered so much. And not only the elderly, also the young people. You don't like believe the, it was for their own good? You think there was an ulterior motive behind that fear? It's, I mean, people's motives are complicated, but for the overall good, it's not. I mean, look at the amount of businesses that have shut down. People have lost their income, the inflation in the economy, all the money that was pumped into these vaccines. Like, uh, I'm glad to hear now, I saw a Lancet article um, two days ago that you've got natural immunity. It's 90% effective. Well, isn't that better than any vaccine that was yeah. brought Well, you know, it's, it's, it's behind us, but I, I'm just... I'm actually, I'm actually quite happy that the, uh, CM, that the CMO has come out and said, return to your normal lives, integrate again for the sake of your well, mental and physical health. I mean, well, well, it would be nice if she was that positive two and three years ago and she was able to assess things a, a bit more in a bit more balanced way. Like, I, I, love, I, I wish people kept, um, bit, you know, kept kind of being involved in the community so that they're not suffering as much now. Like, I know people that they're they've taught me that their, their young children are, are still uh, stricken with anxiety over what happened in the lockdown. Mm. And it's, it's the elderly and, and a lot of people suffer during it. And yeah. uh, an interesting point there, you mentioned during the week that um, the, the, around UCC was very quiet this term. Yeah. And I, I asked a, a friend of mine who was studying there, um, do you know, why do you think that might be? Did you know of that? And right week. Um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. She, she said, well, when, when I was first year, second year in college, um, I got to know people by socialising, by going to college, by the social events afterwards. And that's how I got to know people and, you know, they might meet for a party or whatever. Yeah. And she said that didn't happen during lockdown. So they, they don't know each other. So the not as much socialising happened for that reason. But while they so, were there before college got abandoned, there was loads of house parties. There were COVID parties. Wait, they were, they were, that's the thing. It's the third and fourth years. She said when she joined college, it, it was kind of the third and fourth year, years that might show them the ropes a bit. You know, They might be sharing a house with younger people. So we are, we're seeing the consequence of COVID with Rag Week and uh, Freshers Week because they just don't socialise. It's a possibility. Look. Okay, no, it's, good it's one. It's after okay. hitting a lot of people. Okay, it's okay. damaging so much. Okay, thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Vince, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, the question I was posing earlier this morning, uh, yet another public inquiry, and it will happen, into the handling of COVID. Good or bad? I think it's a good thing that there will be an inquiry, and I actually read some of the stuff that the CMO came out with just a while ago. You know, but the, an interesting, the man you were just talking to about reconnecting, and she says you, the older people must go out and reconnect. But I pose the question as somebody who worked in retail and is out and about quite a lot. Who do you connect with? I'll give you an example. I got really impatient in a supermarket the other day and I was completely wrong. It was an elderly person who was really slow. So there's no designated space in any supermarket. You didn't give him cheek, did you? No, no, no. I just got impatient. But suddenly after I said, hang on a second now, I better slow down here and cop myself on. You I got impatient to yourself. Yeah. You didn't say to anything. To myself. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. And if you look at, I, I was thinking about that after when I went home. If you look at the prism of going into a supermarket at 70, 80 or whatever age, if you're old, if you're disability or whatever, like, and you're going into supermarkets today, 
it's it's like a it's like a bloody zoo inside there. Like you have self scanning, there's nobody helping you. You can't find any. The New Dons is a typical example in Bandon Road. Huge place. Before they used to wrap the stuff, they had the Ballinora G, Bishopstone G. It's all gone. My point is there's no there's no there's nobody to connect with when you go out. The supermarkets don't offer older people a designated space, which they should do. You know, all of them are See, terrible. Uh, the other, Vincent, the, I've, the other, I've, used, I've used the scanning machines. Does a staff member I, standing there, I've seen staff members walk up to an elderly person who's struggling with a the scanner, they might have five or six messages, and do it for them. Yeah, sometimes you see it, but generally I don't see it. I don't. I go to Dunn's a lot in, in, in the Bandon Road, and there is no connection between staff and customers. Like, I'd have a much better understanding of retail having spent three decades in it. Okay, and I'm I talking that. about. I, I, and, uh, I'm talking about even the smaller independent, and I keep saying this, uh, I keep saying it, and I don't know, are some people listening or not, but greeting a customer is gone. Gre- like, they, they can't actually, gre- I would actually love if some retailers rang me, and I would go in for free and give a talk about greeting a customer. I would love it because I think greeting a customer and, and talking to somebody, you're, it's wonderful. I'll give you another example. I follow the horses, right? Yeah. Like many, Cheltenham is coming up. There is no, a huge connection for many people all over the country, city and county, was going into the betting office. You meet somebody and you had a chat. You had a bet, but you had a chat. Now, there's nobody going to the bookie office. Not a Christian. The pub during the week at six euro a pint for Heineken, there's nobody going. Last night, for example, we had a pre-Cheltenham gig up in Quinlan's. And getting out, I found it fantastic. I don't drink, but we got out and I, I connect with people I had met for a while, and it's a great night. So, but that was the but, point. But there's I mean, nobody going out, but, you know? but, but some pubs are very busy. They are, like, they are. I mean, you no, know. During the week, they're not. not during, no, 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 not during the week. And a lot of them that used yeah. to open on a Monday and a Tuesday don't yeah. bother now. I see that. Uh, but but the point here is that the, the CMO was talking about older people needing to shake yeah. off their COVID fear. Um, yeah. Uh, because yeah. because that fear probably has done some sort of psychological damage, where they are now in fear of going out again, and and probably exactly. and probably feel as if, if that they might die if they went out. If they if, and, if they do go out, there'll there'll be nobody in the bookie office, and there'll be nobody in the pub. It's not, it's not going even, to the bookies or the, the pub. It's it, just going out and meeting family or meeting friends or going for a walk or going for a pint or you know just just getting out there and don't I, let COVID I, I, steal I, I, any more than it's already stolen. I, I'm all, I, I know I'm, I'm getting on in years, but there is actually nobody connecting. That's my point. I'm talking about there's nobody connecting with each other. I'll give you an example. I was in the English market on Monday, and I went into coffee, Cafe Central. It's a, a little coffee shop inside in the English market. The two girls talk to every customer about mental health, about how are you. They talk over the counter. I remarked it to the two girls. I said to myself, I said to them, what you're doing, there's nobody doing today. There's nobody connecting with each other. And I suppose They're the older you get then, I suppose, people might feel the more invisible they are, is it? Exactly. Yeah. There's nobody to talk to. Like, I give an example. I live in Bishopstone, and there's a man, he has uh, in the early stages, we say, Alzheimer's or dementia. And I always say, I'm a huge believer I'm an outgoing, talkative person anyway. But I say hello to most people. And because I was in the, in the rag trade and you, you, you say hi to everybody. But I, I, I always say hello to them. 
and he passed me. Some days he's great, some days he's not. But the other day he turned and he walked away and he turned back to me and he goes, you always say hello to me. <laughs> and he said, you are one of the few people who say hello to me. I can tell you for a fact, I've lived in Cork for 40 years. If you went into the city today, you'd be lucky to get a hello, how are you? You know, above in the north side last night in that pub, Quinlan's. Like, what, of course, Road Quinlan's, is it? Yeah. Great but pub. Like, a great the way pub. the people, the way the people, how are you, by the north side people, yeah, you know, yeah. they're great. Like, when I came home, my mental health was way better. For getting out on a Tuesday Which night. Which is not what she's saying. Isn't that what the woman is saying? Get out there, integrate yeah, for your sake, your mental is, health, and also you'll live longer. Don't correct. be afraid. That's just yeah. Saying. But but my point is, when you when a, a person that's on their own goes out, the barman, the coffee shop, the retailer, the duns, this, that, the other, they must talk to people. Okay. Get back to talking okay. to people. Okay. That's my point. You Appreciate know? it. Thank uh, you. Thank uh, you. Thank uh, you. Thanks a lot. Right, Take Vince. Care. It's just Bye-bye. very busy morning. Do stay in touch, Rosie. Good morning. Good morning, how yeah, are you? I think your handset's broken, so you're on speaker. Uh, but I was yeah. just talking about um, uh, public inquiry um, and to teach us maybe what we got wrong and also make sure that we re- repeat the same mistakes. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a little too late for this now. I mean, I could have told you all this two years ago, as a lot of other people could have told you this. It was crazy measures they were doing, but we were called conspiracy theorists. And now Michael Martin... He's getting a clap on the back. Well, well done. You know, I think uh, he's there's an election obviously coming up and he's probably looking for, you know, to secure his. Mm, his uh, I don't know about that. I mean, like, surely there should be some sort of an inquiry as to why a quarter of all COVID deaths were in nursing homes and people with COVID were brought to and put into nursing homes. Surely that in itself, you know. People whose exactly, family members died and they looked through the glass at them, you know. But people were trying to shout that from the rooftops and they were shut down. They were called conspiracy theorists. They were called nut jobs. They were called anti-vaxxers. Everything. Why now, two years later, is it okay to say these things? Um, you know? I, it's, I, I, it's, I, I, I don't know that anybody is questioning, perhaps you are, the efficacy of the vaccine, are you? If you look at the studies of the vaccine, yes, it has no efficacy. Sure, Pfizer has come out and, and said that it was never tried for transmission. Vaccine was an outstanding measure that reduced deaths from COVID-19. You don't agree? No, I absolutely do not agree. Right. Absolutely okay. do not agree. Yeah. It didn't stop transmission. No, it didn't. Yes. No, sure, I, I yes. didn't say that. Yes. I mean, it was, was it reduced. and ostracized if you didn't take it for granny. You know, it reduced so the, it reduced the chances of killing inquiry. granny. No, it didn't reduce the chances of killing granny. No, no, absolutely not, because it didn't stop transmission. No, no, I mean, there was nothing that could stop the actual transmission apart from. They said apart from, they, they, that would have been more to do with the hand washing. That would have been to do with the hand washing and the mask wearing. You know, but but when you had it, you had it, and if you had it and you had been vaccinated, they're saying you had a better chance of surviving it. Are we going to really talk about the survival rate? I mean, how many, again, they were very smart with their wording on the COVID deaths. You know, it was died with COVID, not from COVID. And okay. that's a whole all right, well, let's not, let's not argue all of that, yes. the hand-washing, the masks and the vaccines and stuff like that. Although they, would par- par- they will form part of the public inquiry. Um, what should oh, be asked? What should be, you said there's no point doing it. 
Well, it's too late now. The majority of the country are vaccinated, you know. But I do think people need to be held accountable for the measures. I mean, I'm a middle-aged woman. I'm certainly, I I would be classified now as an anti-vaxxer. I'm certainly not an anti-vaxxer. I've been up to date with all my vaccines and everything else. But I was very weary about taking this one. Yet I was, and I didn't take it, and I was totally ostracized for not taking it, Mm. you know? Why did you take other vaccines before it? Just curious, but not COVID. This this, this is new technology. I mean, they were quite clear that this was new technology, gene technology. And I thought, "Mm, uh, I'm just going to wait this one out and see. And uh, if we look back in history, you know, and governments and people in power, when they push something... It is never for the good of the people, you know? I'm like, they're very adamant on pushing, pushing, pushing this. I'm just going to take a step back. And I never got COVID. I never followed the so, crazy regimes of standing on the yellow line and following them. I didn't follow any of that. What did you do when you people, were told stay three metres apart? Did you? If you want to stay three metres apart from me, go for it. But I'm not going to you know there was never any there was i'm a very healthy person i look after my health i think it's a very individual thing that people looks after their health but did you did you did you intentionally down the road for my health but did you did you You intentionally cling up against other people did you kind of go cheek to jaw to everybody no no, come on now use your head and that's the problem people did not use their head with this they blindly followed orders and you do not go, critical thinking went out the door. They just blindly fall. If the man on the TV come on and says, put on 10 masks, they would quite willingly have done it. But the research has shown time and time again that masks do not, like take for example, I went to the hospital two weeks ago for a procedure and uh, I didn't wear a mask. And the you nurse, have to wear a mask. You have to, like... Uh, it's mandatory. And if you look up what the word mandatory means, it means both parties consenting. And I wasn't consenting. What happened? I'm a healthy, I'm a healthy person. What so happened when me, you were trying to get into to a hospital? Yeah. What that nurse turned around and says to me was very inappropriate. She says, you know, I was getting a mammogram. She says, if anything comes up on your results, she said... Uh, and you had to come back in here, you wouldn't be seen. Now, she basically threatened me, threatened me that I would, if I ended up having breast cancer, that I wouldn't be seen. If you didn't wear a mask, is it? Yeah, in other words, yes. And I says, I will, uh, I will cross that bridge when I come to it. But if, if an action or a procedure is mandatory, uh, people have to do it because it's a rule... Or it's a law, right? Mandatory is... It's not a law. It's not a law. That's where people got caught up on this mandatory thinking it's law. It is not law. But the the dictionary definition of the word mandatory is required by law or rule. But it's not a law and it was not brought in by law. And it means both parties consenting. But what I'm I'm getting at... I I mean, okay, I I have to beg to disagree. People blindly, blindly followed orders. And we were, you know, I remember going out one time when the nine-year-old me came in and uh, I went out and had soup. Oh, that wasn't enough. Okay, so four euros won't keep COVID away, but nine will. I mean, the people took it too far. And now all of a shot, they're like, "Mm, maybe we need to look into this. No kidding, Sherlock. You know, people, people were made, I was made to feel like a piece of dirt on someone's.
Sorry, my apologies. What happened there? I might have messed up the lines there. Are you, are you still there? Sorry about that, Rose. Yes, you still, yeah. yes, yes. You were made yes, to feel yes. like dirt because you couldn't get into places. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you could have been going around with three vaccines and you could have still been carrying the virus because it didn't stop transmission. Yeah, okay, okay. I just feel okay. it's a little too late. This should have been looked into a long time ago. Thanks for that, Rosie. Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Sean. Mary, your thoughts. Good morning. Hello, hello, Neil. Is it a point um, that Vince made, is it? Yeah, go ahead. No, I'll tell you what, your last talker there now as well has just annoyed me as well, because going in to have a... Are you gone, Rosie? No, I'm not She's going. There. Okay, hold on, Rosie, you're annoyed, Mary. Yeah. Rosie, I just want to say, going in to have a mammogram is such... Um, a nervous thing for the person to have to do and the nurse has to deal with you and you're breathing on top of her what in the name of God is wrong with you that you can put on a mask you're still saving other people taking an infection from you whether it be a cold whether it be a virus whether it be coronavirus I didn't have a cold if I had a cold I would use common sense and then I would wear a mask I'm not covering my face and melting she refuses to cover her face listen you don't know what you have you don't know what you have you could have any kind of a virus in your mouth that's why they take samples from mouth when they're looking for viruses. this is exactly hang on hang on hang on on. one at a time this is exactly what the scaremongering did people are afraid to to go out don't be ridiculous why You're being ridiculous because I'm totally healthy. Wait a second. Why is she being ridiculous? Does anybody she's think that it's kind ridiculous. of strange listen, now that everything listen, we're told get on, on with their lives, but you need to wear a mask going into a doctor's surgery? Why? Why? Why do you still I'm, have to have a mask well, going into a chemist? Okay. Well, you're protecting the doctor. You're protecting the staff. That's, that's their way. Let them have it. But what I'd say to that woman is, if you had to go in for an operation in the morning and the staff decided, oh, we don't want to wear masks during this operation, how would she feel? They're breathing That's down totally different. That's open surgery. That is the most anyway, ridiculous anyway, comparison anyway, I've Neil. ever okay. heard. Okay, all right, okay. Anyway, okay. Neil, the, yeah. the reason I rang in was the man before that woman drove me late because I shop everywhere. I go to Glanmire, Super Value, Lidl, Aldi, and the staff... Everywhere, Balvalan done stores. You couldn't get better people. They look at you, they make eye contact, and they say hello, how are you? And they're always talking to you. And when you have to go to the self service checkout, the staff are fantastic. Mm. They're mm. very well trained. I've been to Lidl in Churchfield. I've been to Aldi in um, Balvalan as well. They are so well trained. I don't know what that man was talking about. He's talking about general retail, and and uh, if you were here, I'd let him respond to you. Um, but have you not noticed that a lot of general? You could, okay, absolutely, and I've seen incidents of that myself in 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 Lidl and Aldi and in Duns. But in in retail in general, though, there's there's very little interaction, and I think for people as people are getting older, less and less people interact with them. And if you're old. You're almost, these days, invisible. It's very cold and it's very impersonal, a lot of retail now. I I do agree a little bit with you there. Now, I have a sister who is very nervous of going out. But, Neil, I'm 75. My sister is 82. And she is a little bit nervous. But I've walked into any kind of shop and you look at them, you make eye contact and you say hi. And they always respond. I think they're... To be honest with you, I think they're standing around with nothing to do for a while because there's not many people in town and 
you know, again, oh, you go. No, it's just when, when somebody walks in wanting to buy something, is there any training by those in management or business owners to train their staff to be, um, uh, to have a chat well, or to be personal or put on a smile or how are you? Yeah. Talk about the weather, talk about the yeah. football, talk about carnations. Well, I, I don't know. I wrote, I won't name the hotel now, but I wrote to a hotel recently. I went there with another sister and I, she arrived before me and it took me a while to get there. Five star hotel, the two of us were having a treat and overnight. And when we got there, I was walking up with my, my suit bag and um, there was this person with a, la- a badge on his a suit. Yeah. He's wearing a suit with yeah. a badge on his collar. And he passed me by and he didn't hold the door going into the hotel. And I was stunned because I looked around and I couldn't believe there was an awful lot of cigarette butts outside the hotel. So, and I had driven now an hour and a half to get to this place. So when I went in anyway, um, it, was, it was cold weather. It was early in the, in the year and the, there was no fire lighting in the hall. And this is a big, great big hall when you go into this place. And I went up to the desk and I counted 45 seconds. And there were three people behind chatting away and not one of them looked at me. Yeah, yeah. So I, 45 seconds is a long time, Neil. Yeah. And I sent him an email and because the, the younger staff now, they were all just obviously employed, I'd say in January, you know, they were all right. new and, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I sent him an email and I said, definitely the young people need need um, training. Yeah, oh my go. God, okay. I said, that manager walking up behind me didn't hold the door. Now I was about three seconds behind him. Did so see he see you? Oh, I did. He passed uh, me sure, by. And no, I was the only one. I, need for it. I was walked the only past one you, walk- took the door before you, didn't hold it for you. May- oh may- maybe, men are, maybe, maybe men are afraid to hold doors for women, we're told. Don't be doing Abbott, that kind listen, of thing. Neil, I'm 75. <laughs> okay. All right. Listen, lovely talking to Mary. I'm just, um, the t- clock's against okay, me. Feel Neil. free to oh. come back anytime. I want to give the final word on this for now to Gavin. Gavin, good morning. Morning, Neil. How's things? Okay. Oh, great. Love it. WhatsApp call. You work in a butcher's. Go ahead. I do, no, just when I was listening to there where you go and Vincent was on, I, I actually remember speaking to Vincent there last weekend, we had a good chat for about 20 minutes around football and retail and everything and kind of went out of our way and to, we kind of know I'm coming in and everyone outside would uh, give time to talk to the customers and make you sure spent 25 okay, minutes yeah. chatting about soccer, is it? That's it, about Man United, which... Which isn't a good thing, though. They're starting to make noise now again. They're starting to win, so <laughs> yeah, you get very little work done if you're spending 25 minutes with every customer and buying meat. Ah, oh, that's it. But Joe, it's encouraged Joe to build a relationship with the customer, and Joe, you're investing in the lifetime value of them. So butchers yeah, are like that. Butchers, I've always found butchers to be very chatty individuals. Great to ask a question of. Great to give recommendations. You know, and how, how long to cook it, the time it takes. You know, all the kind of stuff. You're great at that. But you could go into other oh, shops it. then and they won't lift up their head. They just they just don't want to know. Oh, that's it, Joe. They, the lads, in fairness, Joe, they, they know their stuff and they like, uh, they're like showing off a bit, you know, outside and just uh, helping any way they can. Have the chats, isn't it? Have the chats. Like. That's it. Yeah, yeah. What butcher shop is Joe, that, encourage it. It's in James Whedon Butchers in Bishopstone. Joe, we'd encourage the staff there to always go and spend as much time as they can with the customers. I love that butcher. I got some tomahawk steaks there a few weeks ago. They were mind-blowing. Oh my God. Oh, that's great. That's great. And the way, that you, the way you cooked them. Uh, it was, yeah, it was definitely the way. I, I barbecued them. The, the food out there and the way you prepare it and dress it and package it is just awesome. Well done. 
Ah, thanks very much. Well no, done. No, just a, a lot of effort goes into it, but uh, it is worth it, I think. You know. Well done. Fair play to you, Gavin. People should check out James Whelan's Butchers in, that's Bishopstown, isn't it? Yeah, inside and Dunn's in the Bandon Road. Bandon Road is the one. Fair play to you. Cheers, Gavin. Mind yourself. Listen, uh, we're out of time for today, lads, but after the break, let's see if we can crack that safe, that four-digit code. Bill's Feel Good 5. Coming up next, Red FM's More Music. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Natalie's in Blackpool and she's nominating my goodness at the English market. She didn't get a chance yesterday, but she does this morning. Natalie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, but there's 300 euro cash in it for you. And possibly on Friday, uh, my goodness, at the English market could get a Brinks box safe to securely save or look after their cash. But you first need to crack the code. So you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, so I will give you the first three digits, and that is one, four, one, and you need to give me the final digit to crack the Brinks safe. Okay, so one, four, one, eight. One, four, let me try that for you, see. No, guess again. Uh, One, four, one, four. Guess again. Last okay, guess. One, one, four, one, five. Five, you're saying? Yeah, that's right. Ain't going to happen today, honey child. Try again tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks for I will. Same. Lollipop Kids in Middleton. Uh, Bernice Warren from Middleton is nominating. What is, what is that, a creche? What is it? No, it's it's actually um, a shoe shop. Oh, that's children. grand, because they wouldn't have cash in a crash, but they wouldn't a shoe shop. Okay, so you Absolutely. have, and you're nominating them. All right, so maybe they might win it on Friday. But first, you need to crack the code and win for yourself 300 euro cash. So, 141 what? Three. Not happening, man. <laughs> okay, uh, 1416. Six. Six. What's wrong with this stubborn thing? Oh, one last okay. guess. One, four, one, seven. Seven. Okay. <laughs> what the heck? Uh, no good. <laughs> Try again tomorrow. Thanks all the same. Let's see if Stacy can do it. Um, where you, sweetness, hair and beauty. Am I right? That's right, Neil. How are you? Are you working there? Will you go around? I am, I'm actually working there now today. Oh girl, 300 euro cash, right? And maybe a Brinks box for the salon on Friday. So 141 what? Uh, how about 1412? <laughs> <laughs> um, 1410. 1410, let's try that one. Yes! <laughs> that couldn't have been a wild guess. You must have been listening to all the other wrong guesses, is it? Oh, I was. I was writing them all. Oh, you're me. the smart one. You're the smart one. So you knew there was only one or two left. You couldn't lose. I was. I was like, hopefully, I was marking them all out. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so it's best not to go first, sure it's not. So it actually That's makes what more I was sense thinking. to hold on. I, Every time I heard the buzz, I was like, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> you have just won 300 euro cash for yourself and the possibility of a Brinks box for sweetness, hair and beauty. Where is it based? In Blackpool. Maybe we'll be talking again on Friday. Oh, Finny, thanks so See much. See you, Stacey. Take care. You too. Cheers. Bye. My apologies to ABC Taxis. We'll try you out tomorrow when we try and crack that safe again. Lines will stay open 0818104106. You can text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.